on your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus, but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. Thank you for joining me today. I want to start off by saying in general that I know how many choices there are out there today in, in regard to genuine, objective, investigative reporting and, 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 corporate and independent media as well as those who serve up the media just the way you like it and the titles just the way you want to see them. My point is I know there's a lot out there to choose from in every facet of this conversation, both honest and dishonest and unaware, either way. So I want to thank you for choosing The Last American Vagabond in you know part or in whole or however you engage with this because it, it it's important and it means a lot to us that you give us your support at a time when there's so much you know, vying attention, vying for attention, you know, battling narratives. I mean, it's just everywhere. So I wanted to say that right out of the gate today that I know how hard it is. So I appreciate that support. We have a bunch of important follow-ups today that are, I mean, they've been important since the very beginning. And I think it's frustrating how these things, as always you hear from me, are so important, whatever the topic may be. And yet because of the very controlled flow of information these things, regardless of whether it's somebody and it, it, you know, I, I don't even know how to gauge where I'm at in like the hierarchy of how successful we are because of how much suppression for all we know, we are reaching everyone in the world and we just don't get that to be shown to us. But my point is at somewhere I, I perceive T lab to be sort of in the middle that there's an, we have some influence. People listen to what we're saying. We reach people and yet you can have a conversation that is profound, breaking something that no one else is talking about. And it just won't, Pass a certain level. Everybody in this field that's, in my opinion, in honestly engaging will ha have the same opinions. And I've talked about this with so many people. And it's not about, you know, you should be, you know, like we're being suppressed. That's not even the point I'm making. It's about how the controlled flow of information dictates what people who actually want to see this kind of stuff will end up seeing. Even if you're watching our shows, people have lives, they're busy, they don't catch every piece. And especially when, you have four-hour shows, it makes it a little bit more difficult as well. But the point is that it ends up being partial information. And a lot of these people thrive on that. And I think the point is that when sudden there's moments, whether it's about COVID-19 or, or foreign policy, where suddenly these conversations become seen. And I think it's a combination of things, if I'm my opinion would be that it's either because it's getting enough attention to where the effort of if it's coming from a dishonest place of the social engineers is trying to get ahead of that narrative try to derail it, make you think that it's a partisan narrative or it's fake news or a lot of this stuff, like happened with Lahaina, for example. The conversation we were having right out of the gate, Shelby and I had her on more than once, right in the beginning was that there were suspicions around a lot of this stuff. And I, I, not that we just immediately jumped like a lot of people did to, it must be this because this is what I think. And here's what the video I saw that turns out to be from Chile, you know, whatever it is. 
was that it could be. And the realistic conversation around what these energy weapons were and how they've been made, and that it's a real concept. And then I stumbled across the reality that there was a direct, that ener- directed energy, uh, uh, direct energy weapon directorate in Maui, which I was the first person to break that part of the story, but it didn't really go anywhere until larger parts pointed it out. But it then got co-opted as proof that it was this, and then people dismiss it. And I think there's a very common way that that goes. And so in today, we're going to talk about the Red Cross again as it pertains to the COVID-19 conversation, something that should have been universal news right when this was shown, whether me or anybody else, because of how incredibly dangerous and irresponsible it was, the stance they took in 2022 that the vaccine does not circulate your bloodstream. You may have argued then that, well, we disagree. It's still being fleshed out. Not anymore. We are way past that conversation. There's not even people in the in the scientific community, as far as I can tell, that are genuinely still trying to argue that it stays in your shoulder muscle. That has been roundly shown from every level, peer-reviewed science and every other angle to be false. Yet today, the Red Cross is still standing by that statement. I don't care whether you're talking about spike proteins, mRNA, or just literally anything else that has any kind of side effect or can, you need to know about that. And it should be your choice. Now, we've seen a lot of this conversation about people having uh, like terribly sad stories about infants who need some kind of blood transfusion and they refuse to let them use their family's blood because they want to because their family's unvaccinated, even though it's a perfect match. Historically, that used to be the best case scenario. Do you have a family member with the same blood? That's the first way they went. Now, yet post-COVID-19 mania, and all these nurses and doctors and people that were all drunk on their power. Remember, all the honest people got fired and you were left with all these people that were either too stupid to know they were wrong or completely or just didn't care. And they were so drunk on their power. Would They literally said, no, you can't use your family member. We're going to make you use the blood bank. And then in two separate cases, the child died within weeks, months after that. Of course, they have their narrative around how it's not connected. But it's just unbelievable knowing that there is a side effect or can be and is possible to have side effects. And I think the evidence we've shown and we will go over today is wildly obvious. The fact that they're still arguing that it does not enter your bloodstream and therefore there's no risk that we take blood from anybody and we don't really break it, you know, divide it out is the most alarming thing. I I mean, it really begins to show you that it's not just this one topic or just this one discussion around this one vaccine, there's a systemic problem here. It is the problem that we believe that everybody in authority is somehow acting in your interest. I'm willing to argue today that it's almost entirely the opposite. Not because it's just the way it is, but because we have stopped paying attention as a population to make these things stop. Or, you know, they recognize that we're sleeping, we're distracted, we're in partisan dividing topics, and we don't pay attention to the bigger things that are happening. So we're going to break this down today with an unbelievable amount of peer-reviewed science, everything you need to break this down, but also over overlap it with the, like I pointed out to start, the, the conversation that's butting up in the, you know, independent media and how it's alarming to me that this is happening yet again and people are still getting these. And I do, I, I think this is because it's about how much comp- awareness is around this topic. And now it's about trying to make it seem like it's a, a, a false story, even though it's very, very real. Now, we're going to start today with a conversation and follow up from the last show around Israel and Gaza. Some of the conversations I wanted to go through in regard to the, the aid. And, and, and we're going to start with the ceasefire point and a few other opening things I want to get into. But I'm going to do my best to go through that quickly just because I want to focus the Red Cross story today. So if I'm rapid in the beginning, 
then just understand why. Or if I say that, and then the very first thing I get into, I forget that and I take a long time, which happens every time. <laughs> That's what will happen as well. But either way, let's get into it. There's a lot to talk about. I want to start off with a shout out to Derek's coverage. The fluoride lawsuit comes to an end. Federal judge to decide the future of water fluoridation. We're going to be talking soon as there is a you know actual decision that we can discuss. But the overall point, as I said before, this is a win no matter which way you look at it. The information has garnered a lot of attention for people that didn't even know this was something that needed to be discussed. Just like with the Israel conversation, people are suddenly, you know, just since it's a good segue right there, I had a great interview with Jimmy Dore today that I'm going to air tomorrow. It was almost entirely about the election stuff and candidates. and But we kind of got into a conversation about Israel as well. And we had this really great conversation about, you know, just a lot of these kind of things and realizing how, you know, again, the systemic problem around all of this. And I think the point here was that the people don't even realize they're supposed to be aware of how dangerous this is. And Jimmy Dore made a point to say on the show that before October 7th, he didn't know anything about the discussion of Israel. And, and a lot of people didn't, you know, and I major credit for one, being able to admit that. And two, that you followed up on something that people are telling you not to look at. And then got into the conversation and started researching the Nakba and the history. And, and now he's seemingly, you know, is talking about the same stuff and exposing where they currently are. And it's just amazing how people who even want to see the truth are held back from it. It's exactly the point I was making before about the controlled flow of information. You think about how interesting that is. Now, in this case, the point is that there's a win here because people are now aware that we need to be asking this question. And, and they'll find the scientific studies peer-reviewed that are showing you how dangerous this is. And there's so many examples of how the EPA is knowingly keeping dangerous things in your water. Like even at the point is they admit this is dangerous. They just don't know exactly at what level. So their argument is keep it there until we figure it out. That's actually what your government is arguing. Even though there's studies across the board and even the one thing that was, was standard in this conversation that Judge Chen made clear is that they all now agree that it is a neurotoxin. That's not being debated. As Derek points out, that's a huge shift in their narrative. And yet, they're still arguing to keep it in your water? Yes. Do you want a neurotoxin in your water because it makes your teeth look white? That sounds pretty stupid, but that's not even what it's really about because it doesn't even actually do that. Look up dental fluorosis and how this is the opposite of what's happening. Either way, he's doing a great, great, great work with this conversation, and we will be following up. And on that note, I just want to point this out in regard to the fluoride conversation. And you know what? I, I'm not. There's a few people that have been on this, right? We've seen we've seen Children's Health Defense talk about this. Kim Iverson's talked about this. Del Big Trees had Derek on more than once talking about this. Redacted just brought them on. So there are some people that are talking about this, and it's begun to get a lot of attention, more so than even before. And again, I want to give a huge shout out to Derek in particular for making that happen, reaching out to these people, forcing this conversation into the conversation. That didn't make sense into the <laughs> into the into your awareness. But as that's happening, here's what here's what the, this just got posted on the 20th. This is hilarious and in a sad, scary way. Biden's six billion dollar promise, which means nothing until it actually happens or gets spent. And I doubt it will go to the places they claim it will now. But either way, promise six billion dollars to make your drinking water safe. Oh, now you do that, huh? Who cares about the last 40 years of lead and dioxins and PFAS and whatever else we all know is there? Endocrine disrupting chemicals going every which way, but now we suddenly care because you're suddenly paying attention. That's politics for you. They don't care about you. And it says White House announces new package for every state and territory to strip out toxic chemicals from the tap. Okay. Now, is that going to happen? 
in regard to the chemicals that are coming from the new piping that you're putting in. We just talked about the inlay piping they're using, which is wildly dangerous. It's even the process of putting it in is causing locations near it to have vomiting, cascading vomiting throughout the areas, one of which was a school. We just talked about this. It's happened in multiple locations and they just keep doing it. And then you're talking about something that is dangerous that is being put in there because it's cheaper than what they should be doing that is ultimately leaching dangerous things into your water because it's a little bit better than the dangerous lead that's been there the whole time. Or so we know now. I'm sure we'll find out in about 30 seconds that it's actually worse because we now know something new or something that they knew and didn't tell you. Either way, the point is I don't believe that this is even genuine because there's so many things that they're currently doing that have nothing to do with what they claim they're going to take out of the tap water. They're not going to stop their industrial processes or what are causing dioxins. They're probably going to add some new process under the guise of climate change to filter it for you, which adds something into it to stop it. Of course, a company that makes a chemical we can put in the water. Mark my words. I bet you that's where it goes. Either way. Oh, here's the link, by the way. Either way, as I said, how insulting as they're currently fighting to keep a dangerous neurotoxin in your water. <laughs> you need any more reason to believe that that's a, to, to see how false that is. Now, on that note, I want to shout out to uh, Derek, his work, Taylor and her work and redacted for having them on. As I wrote today, and Derek shared this out. Uh, two investigative journalists from the last American Vagabond will be joining redacted today. It already aired Derek to discuss the fluoride lawsuit and Taylor Hudak to discuss her coverage ongoing of, of Julian Assange. Now, I was we were going to be talking about that today. Her and I, I was going to have her on for an interview to break to kind of catch us up on that. Uh, ultimately, the timing didn't work out. So we will be following up on that. But the only reason I haven't is because I was planning on bringing her on. I'm, you know, completely immersed in other topics at the moment, but she's doing excellent work, keeping track of that. We discussed it briefly on AM Wake Up and had a couple of points there. But her and I will be kind of giving you a breakdown of what she's saying, what's the current status. But don't let that be a stop for you. Please check out what she's already done, Active, Activism Munich and everything else that she's point, posted as well as everybody else. It's an important conversation. I just want to, you know, I, I want to make sure we recognize that there is a lot of good momentum happening right now. You know, and again, I, I, there's plenty of people who are suspicious and skeptical of a lot of different platforms that, that are invite, you know, redacted in particular. But it, the point is the reach that we can get out through these topics or through these groups. And I think it's important either way. And as I always said, as we question everything while well, considering all possibilities, the point is about the source material, right? If Derek can go out there and place this conversation in front of people and say, here's where you can find the source material, T-Lab, Conscious Resistance, that's good no matter what, where it happens, in my opinion. That's not even to say that I think that necessarily. I'm just pointing out that when we're skeptical, sometimes it can stop us from recognizing where we can get a, gain a, a benefit in the reaching of the content, right? But I'll also be quite frank and say, if certain people out there, I'm not going to mention names, invited me on, I would absolutely say no. And there's been one of them already. Somebody you know that I talk about and have in the past that really wanted me on about a certain topic. And absolutely not, just because I don't feel like they're honest people. But you guys can guess at that. Now, Caitlin Johnstone made a great point that I want to make sure you hear on this. Just thinking about the 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 you know, it's overlap of Julian Assange and Israel. And she said, keep in mind when you read that the U.S. is attempting to jail a journalist for exposing war crimes and quotes that because of Gaza, you actually now know what war crimes look like in real life. War crimes are the absolute worst of crimes where the most powerful prey on the most vulnerable. We must be open to expose them or able to expose them. And the point is that, you know, it's a frame of, of reference, a context. Like we don't full, like I think most people just like kind of we were saying before, about whether it's Gaza or any number of conversations like fluoride that we weren't aware of before this are very aware right now of what these things look like. So when you're considering what Julian Assange was trying to expose 
and maybe haven't looked into it enough, you re, some, there's a, a hard not to think about that. And I think it's a good point to kind of, there's a lot of people waking up to things for the first time right now. So give them the example, show them what we're talking about, take it back to the origin of these conversations. Now, another article Der, uh, Robert put out today, Israel continues attacks against Iran in a bid to escalate regional conflict. Now, this is in regard to the, I, I just talked about this in the last show. I, I, I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised, shocked, even though I know corporate media is not honest, that there's not been any, like, aside from making the point about the, I mean, even then, like, I haven't seen any real coverage from the, from the corporate media, like, in genuine coverage about how Israel literally just bombed it's civilian infrastructure in Iran. And even the Times of Israel wrote about this. And it's it's wild to me because you have to realize how much of an, inc- how, an escalation that is. As he, and what his point is in this whole article, this is they're trying, in my opinion, and I agree, as Robert's opinion as well, to draw in the U.S. to make this something larger. I don't see how else they see a way out of this. And even then, I doubt they'll actually get away with what they're doing. But sure as hell, they're going to try. So they're trying to draw Iran into this, and it will become a, a – there's no way around it. If Iran fight, strikes back, this will be World War III, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but you have to realize how ridiculous both Israel and the United States have shown themselves to be when they're the ones that looks like they're being – you know, they're on their back foot. The, these are the kind of belligerent actions you get when they feel like they're embarrassed or you're, they're looking like they're weak. They act ridiculous while pretending everybody else is doing that. So if Iran, which would legally have the right, I mean, listen to Israel screaming about their right to self-defense, the attack they just did, the one before it, killed 200 civilians, or it was between 100 and 200. I think it was either, I think it's right here, actually. Yeah, upwards, about 100 injured, upwards of 200 civilians killed on Kerman, which of course was the place where it, where ISIS claims they claimed responsibility but the whole point was it was roundly shown that was it, argued that it wasn't even actually isis that was making these statements but either way the point is that you can prove as this last attack that they're knowingly striking civilian infrastructure anyway as it see i made as i said before i get i want to get into a point i want to go quick here the point is just recognize israel is desperately trying to force their hand and then when they do anything in response which by israel's metrics would be self-defense they'll call them terrorists which interesting on that same note They've been calling Iran, all of it, everybody, terrorists, for as long as you can look back. They're all of their military, pretty much in a general sense, calling them terrorists, right? So by that logic, even if they're only talking about the government, doesn't that, doesn't that by the logic of what they're claiming about Gaza, doesn't that mean they can just bomb all of Iran and say, well, we're going after the terrorists. The civilians are just in the way. They're all civilian. They're all human shields. You see how ridiculous the logic gets when you really break it down? Well, not even only have to do that. You're, it's they're murdering people and they're pretending it's about human shields. They are if if you break that logic down in any other field of war, you can, and, and with their re- rhetoric, Syria, Iran, by their logic, they could just literally bomb the whole country, murder everybody, and say, "Well, it's Syria's fault. It's Iran's fault. Stop hitting yourself." It's it's disgusting that anybody honest, like Caitlin Johnstone points out, uh, this is the litmus test of litmus tests at this point. If you if you're Talking to somebody who truly can't see what's going on, recognize that in who they are. Now, I also want to point out, I put out a, a, a post on uh, Substack that I wrote. So kind of an adaptation of one that I've put out, uh, that I've discussed in the past. But I wanted to put this out just because it felt, it's an important conversation. It's, it's an interesting time. I've just felt the need for some reason. Because it's not, there's so many other big topics going around. But it's just worth your time. Actually, Jimmy was telling me he was just reading it. But it's the, the Cannabis Deception. How your government stole your future. 
Now, it's a really fascinating conversation, and it's all based on peer-reviewed science. It's not new. It's not even debatable, despite even people in the comments acting like, you know, cannabis hurts everybody. There's no benefits, and there's all these side effects. I mean, none of that's true. I've gone over this for so long. I would lo- I'll debate anybody on this topic because it's so ridiculously obvious. The bottom line is that there are receptors in your body that are designed for cannabinoids. You have a cannabinoid system in your body or an endocannabinoid system. And the point is that you don't have a system or receptors for everything you can put in your body. You just don't, right? So the point is that your body was quite literally designed to work with this, even thrive with this. And it doesn't mean smoking weed is the way people have to look at that. It's ingesting THC and, and CBD specifically together. That is the entourage effect. It's wildly beneficial for your body, all sorts of immune system benefits and also everything. So what's crazy to me as I'm writing about this, it's understanding, getting away from the smoking perception, just just make it into a, a, a blend, blend it into a shake. The point is that without even the cytotoxic aspects of this, cannabis has been shown to be designed to thrive with your body and it's been removed from your ability, most people's understanding. And my point is simply, oh, and the breast milk aspect, that women breastfeeding, whether or not they've ever consumed any cannabis product, produce cannabinoids in their breast milk, which is what initiates the suckling process of the baby, which makes them want to come back. It's it's fundamental to human development. I just think it's very interesting to understand what we are lacking when people remove this from your existence. I'm not even talking, I mean, not even talking about smoking. I'm talking about this medicinal, I mean, everything about it. Anyway, I'm going to be writing more about it just because I know I'm very passionate about this topic, but I wanted to let you know that I am start writing more independently for our Substack and not, it won't be on TLAF. So make sure you support us there and everywhere else. Now, I also had a great interview with Jay Cooey, PhD. Really, really, really good interview. I'm definitely going to have him back on soon. I just find him to be very fascinating, a very intelligent person and, and he's nuanced, right? For it, it, if you, when you speak to somebody currently in the way that politics and everything is, to are, is, are today, you, at least in my, in my impression or my pers- per, uh, opinion, I, I very quickly be recognized when I when I sense that somebody is willing to be open minded, willing to consider other people's opinions, you know, not being driven by partisan conversations. And he just he embodies all of those things. And I just think he's somebody, whether or not we agree on everything, that you should listen to, consider his opinions. Because he 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 argues that one of the important things, which is a positive, really, gave me a sense of relief that the my my theories about which is all I've ever presented them as theories about what wh- where we may be with nanotechnology what may be going on with the you know the self assembling conversation he argues that these are real things but they're just not capable of doing what they claim they are so it's really about hyping these things but i don't know i, I i'm still on the fence but he's a he's an expert i'd listen to him before you listen to me on that topic but important make sure you check him out two last things i thought were just interesting glenn greenwald points out no, uh, well, off the Atlantic that posts this article. Seriously, this is what it says. The American journalism is American journalism headed toward an extinction level event. Yeah, I'm sure corporate journalism is freaking out about that, which is an, which is an indication of how much independent media is truly controlling the conversation, which is, by, by the way, why you've got so many manipulative, dishonest, not independent people pretending to be that because they they've recognized a decade ago, I think, that they were already losing control. That's what I think. And it's been an effort for a very long time to co-opt the YouTube and concepts of the world. Right when 30 seconds ago, they were laughing about how it's a dumb platform. And then all of a sudden they all have their accounts and they're all thriving there. It's just, it's, it's hilarious. But Glenn writes, no, American journalism in quotes is not headed for an extinction level event. Corporate journalism is. 
and deservingly so, including the Atlantic. Not even Steve Jobs' inherited fortune can save them. I agree. I mean, right now, almost all of them are completely subsidized, I think, and I can prove it in many cases. Independent journalism is thriving. This is the reality they can't accept. And again, you know, you can disagree with me. That is exactly why I think the Tucker reality is happening. I still wonder whether he's directly tied to Fox, quite frankly, because we don't ever really talk about those things. Whether or not he is, I don't think any people in those positions are truly on your side. Doesn't mean you should ignore it. Listen to what he has to say. Just keep that in mind when you listen to it. Same with me. I just think, quite frankly, that I, I don't go out of my way and a lot of other people that I respect to demonstrate that that's not the case in every possible way all the time. And I also, quite frankly, think that anybody tapped into the two-party illusion, whether they know it or not, are not capable of being truly honest. That's not, again, not to say that they're doing it on purpose. I think it's because of the way the paradigm operates. You, it's, It circumvents logic. Lastly, just to show you how weird things are and how it seems they're trying to make put us on our back foot, quite frankly. <laughs> I, this is not even a joke. I don't even know. But we should laugh because it's ridiculous. Jerusalem Post, today. An asteroid the size of over six adult Indian peacocks is set to pass close to Earth on Thursday, the 22nd of February, according to NASA's asteroid tracker. To the best of my research, I cannot tell this is this. <laughs> It's a joke. It's not a joke. I mean, you read this, and I mean, I don't know if they were kind of trying to be tongue-in-cheek about it, but when you read this, there's just not even any indication. Six adult Indian peacocks, right? I mean, I guess they were tired of using... <laughs> you could make a million jokes off of that. What in the hell is that? First of all, the asteroid concept is something they constantly seem to float down our way when I've never seen any real indication there was ever a real concern, but they want you being on your back foot. But just the six adult Indian peacocks, I don't even know how to make sense of how ridiculous that is. But anyway, let's start today on the Israel points. And I want to make an early point on this about censorship. Not even necessarily the best place to point to play this clip, but we just talked about the two-state solution, the illusion around it all, the how Israel is provably, has provably, and is provably funding Hamas, arming Hamas. And now, just recently, even Eli Davis started acting like, oh, the bad guys in Qatar are all there, the reason it's all happening. I think that's a narrative shift because they know we're focusing on Qatar and the fact that Netanyahu openly said they wouldn't go after them during the engagement with, engagement with Gaza and their Qatar is negotiating deals. I mean, let's not forget, in case you don't remember, you know, that Israel, Per Haaretz and anybody paying attention has been funding Hamas for a long time because the stated purpose is about thwarting a Palestinian state. The very opposite of what they all pretended they wanted outwardly. And all your presidents, going back as far as you can look, were telling you they wanted, except they were lying to you. All of them. I know, shocking, right? But they've been funding Hamas. The point about a two-state solution is that it's never been real in the minds of the Israeli controlling factions. Just not. They've been lying to you. They've been trying to keep it divided. Which just that's the small level of the dishonesty. But so this was a clip that I was going to show you, which I still have, by the way. It was about somebody speaking on the record back in the 90s in regard to how Netanyahu, and I've already wrote, gone over this in a past show, was responsible for why a previous prime minister was assassinated because of a rally they held showing him in Nazi uniforms, saying he was against the Jewish people and blah. But why? Because he supported the Tuesday solution. He was very rapidly killed after that. And the wife is speaking on the record saying that she knows Netanyahu was the reason that happened. And I already talked about this. Now, that was going to be a part of a larger segment. Just today, I wanted to point this out. That post is now showing as unavailable, right? There's no link you can check out. So what is that? You think that's it's gone, censored, right? The account must have been deleted, whatever. It's not. 
And I'll show you an example as we go through the show. I think there's four I'm going to show you today. What this is, an example of how Twitter is of its own accord, not just like, like censoring. I mean, it's straight up censorship of these posts because it's still there. Technically, if you go directly to their account, you can still see it. And if it's a tagged, uh, sh- quote, uh, you know, retweeted, quoted concept, you'll have the link you can click on and then it will show up. But right now, it just it's just not there. But I have it on the way back machine. And if you go to try to download the link from that link, it's still there. So which means it's actually still public. So let's play it real quick, just so you can see this. But I, the whole point showing you this is that Twitter is actively in, in not just deleting things that they claim violate their terms of service, but very dishonest and surreptitiously just quietly putting things into corners that have nothing. This doesn't violate anything. This is a historical, this is from frontline news. This is corporate media. And Twitter doesn't want you to see it. Just recognize how wildly dishonest that is, which most of you won't be surprised about. Has taken yet another world leader away from us. It was just after the biggest peace rally in Tel Aviv. Rabin's widow blamed Netanyahu for contributing to her husband's death. has also produced shock in the Palestinian community. And said so on worldwide television. Your husband pointed the finger at Mr. Netanyahu and said, you must stop this incitement. To what extent do you blame Mr. Netanyahu and the Likud for what has happened? I do. I do blame them. A rally in Kikar Zion in Jerusalem that showed him in the uniform of a Nazi. So Mr. Bibi Netanyahu, now he can say from here to eternity that he didn't support it and didn't agree with it, but he was there. Which is what he says. He lies. He blatantly lies about not being a part of it. He was. You can see him. There's pictures of it, right? So the point is, in today's point, not you know, well, the Tuesday solution is an obviously important point, but that that was that, why that's gone. Explain that to me, because it's getting reached. People are sharing it. That's why. Here's it in the here's in the way back machine. It said, "I'll never forget this from 1995. The Israelis never wanted peace with the Palestinians, and now they say there's a ceasefire before October 7th." It's a lie, right? They're lying. And anybody honest and with the smallest amount of brain cells and due diligence can see that, which again, quite frankly, I think this is a very, very, very small percentage of blind supporters of Israel, maniacal Zionists, and people that might just be too stupid to know better, who are screaming about the talking points. And everybody else, seem, or rather, and the politicians that are either compromised by Israel or willing to go along with it for their own benefit, everybody else, including international organizations, including human rights groups, including most populations, are very aware of what's going on. I've really never seen this like this in my entire my life or my career in doing this. It's crazy to me, but it's important. I think it's a good thing. But my point is they're screaming narratives and just forcing things in. They've got a lot of Twitter support, clearly, and I think that's part of the manipulation because they're desperate trying to hide things like this. And they don't want peace. They never have. And it's been very clear. I'm talking about the Zionist government. Plenty of people in Israel, even people in the IDF, have stated, at least stated, that they do. But it says, if Zionist wants to debate, send them this. So it's gone. Oh, here, let me include that in case you want to see that same old tweet. Now, again, we're going to go through and show you probably at least four more examples of exactly that. So just keep this in mind when we come back to that to show you how much is being suppressed. Everywhere. Now, the point of the ceasefire... This is important to understand. The United Nations shared this. The the U.S. vetoed an Algerian-led draft that would have demanded an immediate humanitarian ceasefire that must be respected by all parties. Now, isn't that exactly what all the people screaming, saying that they actually, like all the people saying that Hamas keeps refusing an exchange? 
Well, then the one I just showed you, they are pointing at another tweet that said, well, like they denied a ceasefire. They said, isn't that exactly what Israel keeps saying they want? Like there's this weird schism in this conversation where they're listening to what they say. This is what I keep showing you. And then they repeat that, even though the reality is provably the opposite. Israel has said, not publicly to people like that, but in, in Reuters and other ones, that they will not agree to anything that gives them a ceasefire, that gives them any kind of relief. So that ultimately means they will never do this because the only thing they call for is Hamas to unilaterally surrender and give up the hostage. That's it. Anything else that we're not going to agree to. And then they offer something that they will never agree to and they go, see, they don't want it. Even though Hamas has repeatedly, since week one, according to all the corporate outlets I can show you, offered a full exchange with a ceasefire with humanitarian uh, aid. My point would be simply that Israel knows as well as anybody that they could agree to all that, get all their hostage back, and then two days later, go right back to bombing God. They know that. So they don't want these people back. It's just as simple as that. And I, the point is, the U.S. has been telling you, ceasefire. We want you, we, you need to pull back. They've been pushing Israel, and all of a sudden, they vote no. They veto the thing they just said they want to happen. What does that show you? That they don't really want the thing they called for. It's all a big lie. But they vetoed this. And I think the important part is against literally everybody else. So this is what shows you the illusion of what this UN dynamic is supposed to be. They can veto it, even though literally everybody else wants this to stop. Now, here is what, well, actually, first, let me show you this one, just since I think that's the flow of the conversation is better. Noura Irakat points out, and she's a human rights attorney, the U.S. just issued its third veto. It is the third time they've done this. While, while children are being murdered at an unprecedented rate. Third time. In 137 days of ongoing genocide, deemed such have to have merit by the world court against the will of 153 states, which invoked uniting for peace twice against the extraordinary invocation of, Art of Article 99 by the United States Security uh, Gen uh, Wait, that should be, should be a C, right? Security Council, or is it General Assembly? In any case, the United Nations. Against the International Criminal Court of Justice ruling, finding plausible genocide, and a duty to prevent it. I just realize how wild that really is. Even if you disagree, the point is they, in any other, if this was reversed, they would be leaning on whoever the party was to abide by what the UN said. You know that as well as anybody. And yet, they don't get what they want, and they just ignore it. So does, the, so does Israel. It's what they do. And my point on this in general is this has gone the other way. If everybody had voted, yes, then we should keep going and they have a right to defend themselves. Israel would have said, I agree. And we support what they said, which just shows you how ridiculous this is. If they disagree with it, they go, we don't care. If they say what they want, they go, yep, UN, good, that's right. And if it was something that was enforced on other people, they would say, you're, they would scream about how they're not doing what they're supposed to. We've all seen it. Now they tell them to stop like they already have because there's already been more than one that has passed. Because there was there was multiple that hadn't didn't have a veto possible, and they still didn't stop. So here's decentered news sharing an important clip. The U.S. vetoes Algeria ceasefire, but here's what Algeria had to say about this: People are coming out everywhere, including governments, by the way, that classically support, like we saw New Zealand, Canada, Australia, demanding a ceasefire. Why? Because they're cowards, because they recognize they're losing support like nothing before they've ever seen. So they walk back. You don't wait four months during a genocide if you really care about the people, do you? The resolution underscores key elements, including one, a humanitarian ceasefire, second, an 108 delivery 
to all parts of the Gaza Strip. Third, rejection of forced displacement of Palestinians. Four, compliance with provisional measures ordered by the International Court of Justice. I argue it's the stopping the forced displacement. That's the sticky issue, I bet, more than anything. They're desperate to try to move these people out. And I mean, literally everything is telling you that. Their conferences about it, their settlers telling you they're going to do it, their blueprint mapped out discussions of the settlements they're going to build, the push of all of the propagandists to get Egypt to take them. I mean, literally everything is showing you that. And yet they act like we're liars. I mean, it's just, it is, again, one of the most wild things I've ever seen about how clear this is and how obviously they've lost control. I mean, it is, we have to take that positive. Take that win. They are so obviously not controlling this. And I don't mean in the sense of like the larger point about controlling what can truly reach what, what I would argue like the normie audience that doesn't see a lot of this. That is clearly people are tapped into their control structure. But I mean the fact that people just are aware of this one topic. It is so obvious. And I, at some level, your politicians are slowly tr- starting to acknowledge that they know you know they're lying. That's why they're shifting. But nonetheless. Fifth and last the imperative for all parties to respect their obligations under international humanitarian law. Today, every Palestinian is a target for death, extermination, and genocide. Which is going to outrage people that are going to make this about, you know, you're not allowed to say exterminate. That's going to be some anti-Semitic backward trope or something because nobody's allowed to be a victim other than the Zionist mentality, right? Framing the Jewish people as the only thing they're talking about. That's, that's the reality. Even though it's obvious they're being exterminated, right? These, ter- these words have meaning. Holocaust, concentration camp, they're not unique to Germany and Nazi Germany. They have meanings. They're definitions to these words. Now you can listen to the rest of it. That was the main point. And in fact, this is a, a, a vote... In favor of this draft resolution is a support to the Palestinians' right to life. Now, don't forget, and this is the point I was just making before, they're already violating, I mean, account, I can't even keep track of how many UN resolutions since the biggest, even just since 1967, that they are violating, provably. And Saul points out, at the ICJ, Brazil, excuse me, reminds the court that in 1967, the UN Security Council directed Israel to withdraw the Palest- from the Palestinian territory that it had recently occupied. Now, recently is important because if you really understand it, they have always argued that all of this is occupation, all of it. But the 67 conversation was about trying to reach a two-state solution. So it was about giving up what they recently occupied, and that was largely even bigger than now West Bank-Gaza conversation. The point is, it's always all been occupied. And, and if you, they, even the UN has maintained that. People, even people that are on my side of this, I guess you look at it that way in this conversation, don't even seem to realize that. It's, it is all, entirely. But the point, nonetheless, is this is about saying that when they did that, and this is essentially with you, Israel's agreement, at least even though they weren't actually going to do it, to reach a two-state solution, and they never did. Because oh, there's always some argument about them doing this, and we realize if you're, if you're literally funding the groups that you claim are the reason you have to stop, oh, they launched a rocket at us or whatever else. And I'm not even specifically only talking about Hamas. That's the kind of actions they take. It's very surreptitious. That's Mossad for you. That is the Ergun Lehigh action. These are what they have done and are still doing. That's the Zionist origins. My point would be that they didn't pull out because they never wanted to and they've always blamed them since. So how can we go forward acting like 
they're going to engage with the next one, honestly. This is what people are finally beginning to recognize. Now, the UN, or the, excuse me, the US has been openly pushing the UN to support a ceasefire, despite the fact that they just vetoed it for the third time, which is really stupid. Now, here is a clip, uh, and I'll just read you in general, saying in, in its argument at the ICJ, the U.S. said that the U.N.'s highest court should not call on Israel to, quote, immediately and unconditionally withdraw from Palestinian territories, which, shockingly enough, is something that has begun to circulate in the conversation, like a legitimate aware uh, acknowledgement that Israel's entire occupation is illegal. I still argue that a two-state solution it makes more sense in every possible way. Because you know there are people that have grown up in these areas that that some of them some of which don't support what's happening in Gaza, who've lived in Israel that simply are would just be hurt. You know the point is the displacement of people from their homes is not good no matter where it's happening. You know you see unless we're talking about like military or even the illegal settlements and people that have come here directly knowing they're breaking the law. My point is you get born over there you don't are it's not it's important to understand that we and this again is why the two state solution agreement was made even by Palestinians. It was about trying to resolve this, right? If you end up going only one direction, it's only going to maintain the divide and the, and, the, and, the, and the battle going forward, even though it probably will to some degree, no matter what. But my point is that immediate and unconditional withdrawal is an interesting, I never thought that, that would be on the table in the conversation. It says the U.S.'s argument against the idea that the court should declare Israel's occupation illegal. Now, I disagree with that. I think you have to, they don't need to do that. The U.N. has already maintained this if you go back to the very beginning. And in general, still maintains that about specifically Gaza and West Bank discussions. But I think we need to make sure it's declared illegal, but then we need to find a solution. It's not just everybody, they be, it, because you have to re, what's going to happen to all the people in Israel? They're going to end up having to go somewhere else, which is the same problem in reverse. And trust me, if we're talking about legalities and just what's morally right, the Palestinians deserve their territory back. They've been occupied and under a brutal apartheid occupation for 75 years. There's no question. But that's the responsibility and the fault of the Israeli government. And yes, it does have a lot of support from seemingly the majority of Israeli people in the country. But that's, again, because of the Zionist manipulation. And yes, some people that are probably just bad people, too. But overall, I think the point is clear. That's why I think that's always made more. Even the one state conversation doesn't make sense to me because that's never going to work with a group that wants to kill all these people. I think that's pretty obvious. Now, that's what Israel would say about the Palestinians, but I think it's becoming very clear to most people that it's predominantly in the other direction. But here, and to that very point, Megatron shared this, is what they're doing with that mindset. And I think this is actually a really great clip that shows you really exactly what's happening and in a very simple way to see this. This is the, I mean, remember their arguments. Pinpoint targeting Hamas, which, by the way, I'll go over this probably in the news, another show. Shmuley got destroyed by Finkelstein in a debate, and he's screaming about how he won. And even Pierce Morgan was like, you, didn't, you were dis disrespectful and ad hominem all over the place. He literally tweeted that about it. Either way, the point was that he was trying to argue that they were pinpoint targeting exactly like I talk about. Only Hamas. It's like, how can you actually be so dishonest or stupid to argue something like that when nobody anywhere, everybody can see based on the smallest amount of evidence that this is not pin only Hamas. It's embarrassing. But here is an example of how clearly this is ethnic cleansing. As, the, as Megatron writes, a visual of Israel's ethnic cleansing of people of Gaza since October 7th. The people have been forced to go south to Rafa. Now Israel wants to attack that last refugee camp full of children and women. The only goal is to drive 2.5 million people into Egypt. I completely agree with that. Or kill them in the process, whatever works best for them.
Because remember, every time they were in a new location, they bombed the place they were in, the on the way there, and the place they were told to go to. Literally every single time. And I've proven this the entire way along, as many of us have. And now it's happening again. They're bombing Khan Yunus, they're bombing Rafa, they're bombing the way in between, they're bombing the crowd, everything. And your government, your media, they know this. They're all running and screaming on the street. Think about what that's like. Because if they go back, they're shooting them. And I've proven this as well. Up until very recently, if they go back north, they're being shot. Of course, Netanyahu says otherwise. So the blind followers say otherwise, but it's provably not true. I mean, you got IDF members out there making videos about how they're exploding houses for fun, killing people in the street, shooting them in the knees to make sure it suffers more because it makes a better video. All this stuff has been provably shown. They're posting it on their own in social media for crying out loud. That's the reality. Now here, by the way, as we're talking about this, you know, ethnic cleansing, murder, here is quite literally what one of the, this is uh, Congressman Andy Oglis said on the record. And I, there's just no way of misunderstanding this. He literally said in response, I think we should kill them all if that makes you feel any better. That's what he said in regard to questions about how you're killing children in Gaza. This is the mindset of these belligerent maniac politicians who I guess think that, I mean, think about being right now with the way the world is. Either they're, they are that out of touch, which would actually make sense to me, or they're willing to say that when they know almost everybody disagrees, which means they just don't care what you think. It's probably both. I've seen the footage of, You've seen footage of shredded children's bodies. And that's my taxpayer dollars. I'm going to, you know what? going to bomb those kids. So I think we should kill them all. If that makes you feel better. Everybody. Wow. Come on. Yes. As we said, are you kidding? It's like, I, I, how, are you, how can you even, I can't even believe you would say that. But, you know, maybe he thinks by saying that he'll garner the most extreme attention. You know, I don't know. I really don't know. Now, I'll, I'll include this as well. This was a recent, uh, two days ago, an, an interview with uh, Avi Shlom. Uh, the U.S. is not just complicit, but an enabler of Israel's genocide in Gaza. Remember, he is a highly respected professor, a, a scholar, and Israel, uh, an Arab-British-Israeli Jew. Now, I'm going to jump really quickly to another window. I'm going to try to run through these really quickly. The one, This is some of the stuff that I was going to get into on the last show. So let's go through some of these really quickly. And I really just want to kind of run through these. Some videos I want to show you, but this is the stuff I was going to go through before we then we get into the a couple more things on Israel and then we get into the Red Cross conversation to finish. Now I just want you guys to understand, like this is happening constantly, and there's no misunderstanding it. These are not Hamas members. I mean, there's not like think about the reality. How many Hamas members have they arrested? I mean, think about this. They tell you they've killed some, right? But they keep arresting these large groups of fifty, sixty, a hundred Palestinians, all lined up, all blindfolded. Okay, well, if you just match up what they keep showing you with the people they claim they've killed, that's a fraction of it. Then realize that, okay, well, that, 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 they, when, when the Mossad posts it and says, 
all these Hamas members came out of the tunnels. And then, okay, well, where are they? Did you arrest them? No, they let them all go. Okay, well, then they clearly weren't Hamas members. Are you? So you're either telling us that you are intentionally letting them go to use that as your justification to bomb the entire area, or they weren't actually Hamas. Your pick. Because they are not doing any, I mean, it's provable. The amount of people they keep showing you right from the beginning of this, which people were pointing out right in the beginning. That's my neighbor. That's my doctor. That's the guy from UN. Like they're not what they said they were. And they got caught provably for doing that. It hasn't stopped. They've just stopped caring about it. They are now posting things like this. An Israeli soldier celebrating his birthday beside a kidnapped Palestinian from the city. Right. So as they're trying to constantly point back to the hostages that are in Gaza and acting like that's the only thing we should care about. Are we not concerned that this is happening with hostages in Israel or the 10,000 plus that were already taken before October 7th? Or I think it was less than that at the time. Well past that now. Thousands and thousands of innocent people in in, in administrative detention. No charge. There for years sometimes with no charge. Barely enough to survive food wise being tortured being I mean, it's endless again. The UN, Amnesty, have come out and told you this. I guess they're all Hamas, right? It all just must be Hamas. They're all racist. Horrifying cases of torture and degrading treatment of Palestinians. November 3rd, 2023. This is during what's going on. They know. They just don't care. Here's an example that went around. And this is what I wanted to show you about the fact that they're admitting, admitting that they're just coercing people into saying whatever they want. So he's just basically saying all these people are from are Hamas and they have participated in October 7th, some of them. These are commanders. So this happened a few, a couple days ago. Do you think they would be telling you that they arrested a commander of Hamas? They would scream about it from the rooftops. They kill families, they kill children. I, I'm assuming he's talking about the IDF. No, no, he's referencing these people that he hasn't even identified. It's hard for me to stand next to him, he says. It's hard for all of us. But we are fighters, not mercenaries. Like, this is such a ridiculous effort. Like, I mean, again, people have begun to point this out. Like, I'm beginning to wonder, I mean, how they were ever able to convince anybody of their... This is pathetic. The kind of stuff they put out is... It's like watching a, a B-movie or some crappy sitcom. Like, it's really bad acting. It's very... It doesn't even add up. Like, it doesn't feel right. You know, like, well, that doesn't make sense. That's not what a normal person would do in a normal circumstance. But they just don't care. Like that, why would you, filming them doing that back and forth is so wildly not genuine. They want you to think, well, we're not mercenaries, Bob. We don't just kill people. Did you get that? Okay, yeah, okay. Now go kill those children. The music, it's it's crazy. There are no innocent people here. Only terrorists, right? And they're talking about Palestine, guys. Here's what he says. Raise your head. Now, take note of the guy's, look at the way that's wrapped around his head. <laughs> you know, and that may be deemed a small level of torture or however you want to frame that based on the things they're actually doing or in a general sense. But they've been told, they've reported that people will sit like this for days on end. No food, they have to stay there, they won't let them sit down. That's wrapped around your nose so tight that I guarantee that's hurting. Now, it can be small to you. Maybe you don't care because you blindly follow that they tell you it's a terrorist. That's pretty stupid of you, seeing as how they lie about everything. 
But regardless, he says, where are you from? Tell them where he's from. He says, you where you were on October 7th. Don't lie. He says, I was at home in a furniture store. Why are you here? Do you think we take people as we please? Like, they actually think by acting like we somehow know that they wouldn't just do that. Therefore, he's here because he must be a terrorist. Like, that is desperately ridiculous. Like, think about that. So your argument is you're showing us somebody who's telling you, please, I'm not who you say I am. And that's supposed to convince you that they are that, you, that they're capturing terrorists. You must realize that if they had anything better, they would be showing you. We don't just take people. Goes, really, I just work at the furniture store. They all start like that. And then later, you know, they tell the truth. Oh, yeah. Is that what happens when you torture them and you scare them and you starve them? Yeah, I bet you they say whatever you want. Like we've seen endlessly that video of the child who's being screamed at in the court literally finishes by saying, whatever you say is right. I don't know. Just take, let me go. Like they will break them down until they say whatever they want. That's how this works. That's why anybody honest, anybody in the modern world acknowledges torture does not truly gain anything usable. But when you're back in the dark ages like this, of course, the best thing you do. What do you say? He says, but this is a terrorist from Hamas. Of course it is, because you said so, right? It's not possible that you could, like this example here from 2017, force him to give false testimony, as an Israeli court found. Shin Bet pressured man to give false testimony. Now, I've done an entire segment on this. I'm, I'm trying to do my best not to constantly have to rehash everything just because they lie about it again, but it's endless. I mean, endless as any of these topics, right? The topic, topic about human shields, the neighbor procedure, which is an open secret, or the open secret of Israeli government apparatus, entities taking organs from dead Palestinians. It's an open secret. I mean, the United Nations has talked about it, but it must be fake news. Or the idea of every other thing they seemingly call blood libel today. I keep pointing this stuff out. It's incredible to me how much people will blindly follow. For example, just talking about this, I didn't even know about this until Elon Le Levy decided to call this blood libel. So that's, that's about as crazy as Jews poisoning the wells. Well, you're, you're right because it was Zionists, but the point is nonetheless, this is exactly what happened. Here's Haaretz breaking it down, telling you that they, it says, quote, place the material in the wells, documents, military documents from Israeli government point to Israeli armies, 1948 biological warfare, Jewish troops sent to poison Arab, well, Arab villages. And there's even an example of, uh, 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 Gideon Levy talking about a Kurd example. Dumping cement or putting uh, dead animals in their wells to stop them. I mean, and yet here he is going, blood libel, it's bad. It? That's as bad as this completely true story that I'll make you think is fake. I, it's, just, it's amazing to me. And this is my point about this kind of manipulation. So here's what they want you to think is justified. If it was China and Uyghurs, they would scream war crimes, right? Here's another example. Arna Batran says, this is beyond disgusting and a blatantly obvious violation of the Geneva Conventions, just like the one I just showed you, and the treatment of prisoners. And the worst is that they don't even hide it, right? They're, they're praising this. This is, on t this is on Channel 13. Without a 
וגבינה צהובה? לא, 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 יש פה לחם, עגבניה וגבינה. זהו. וככה צריך להיות אסירים נורבה. בהתנהלות הזאת. ככה צריך להיות. ככה הוא צריך להיות. אוקיי? מה שהיה ב-7 לאוקטובר לא יחזור. I mean, they're, they're just proudly going, we, we treat them, they, I mean, guys, this constitutes torture. I, ask any UN rapporteur on torture. I mean, right now, they'll, they'll prove to you that even what they're doing to Julian Assange is torture. Nobody cares. At least not the people who are supposed to. Now, uh, as Pal- Syrian Girl points out, here, here's examples of even children. Right? I mean, this, it's not new. That's the point. It's been going on a very long time. Khaleesi points out a clip, I think this is from... Uh, Crystal ball showing you that this, and again, what people like Dan Cohen have been screaming for people to pay attention to that. They have these telegram groups, their social media platforms where they just openly post this stuff, praising the torture of Palestinians. But we're supposed to pretend it's a fake story. Israeli military admits it posted videos showing the murder and torture of Palestinian families. But people, Biden and everybody else will tell you you're lying to yourself or something. Just deny the reality. that they have been running a propaganda channel on Telegram aimed at Israeli citizens that featured snuff films of Palestinians being murdered, dehumanized as insects and vermin, their bodies desecrated, and the destruction of Gaza glorified. Here are the details. The channel named 72 Virgins Uncensored celebrated everything from a Palestinian being repeatedly run over to a mother grieving over her son, quote, reversing an earlier denial, Israeli military officials have admitted that the Telegram channel 72 Virgins Uncensored was operated by members of a department of the Israeli Defense Forces Operations Directorate. Haaretz also documented some of the genocidal language, gore, and war crimes that were celebrated on this channel. Quote, an October 11th post read, burning their mother, you won't believe the video we got. You can hear their bones crunch. We'll post it right away. Get ready. I mean, just sit with that for a second. Not only is this real, it's being covered by corporate media, by Haaretz, even Israeli media, and even the military was forced to admit that it was real. We're talking about a combination of IDF members, illegal settlers, who are proudly and laughingly showing some of the most horrific things you could possibly imagine. Just let that sink in and, and then let's go forward pretending like this is not being thri- – this is a thriving thing happening throughout the Zionist – like the people that are willing to hurt anybody for their agenda in a sense, out, of, out of pure hatred. That's not all Israelis. That's not all Jews. That's not even all IDF members. But it is predominantly this maniacal Zionist agenda that has gone back to the origin of Israel. You just can't pretend this is not happening. Photos of Palestinian men captured by the IDF in the strip and the bodies of what they describe as terrorists were captioned exterminating the roaches, exterminating the Hamas rats, share this beauty. Far from being a terrorist. And if you, if you try to overlap that with the most obvious example in history, the Holocaust, the Nazis, you somehow get called a, a, an anti-Semite. These are Israelis who are literally using the same language, the same actions, this everything. And of course, then you could obviously point to the easy and direct connection between Zionism and Nazism, but that's not even the point. It's about the fact that you're not, because of that momentum, because of that agenda and the, and the controlling narrative, to simply point out the obvious, you get called a racist. And that used to scare a lot of people away, and it still does today. And you know what? It may even be the coincidental truth. Maybe that person is, but it's not, they're not mutually, or bottom line is you don't, you can point these things out. Because they're obvious and not be someone who hates Jews. It's about as obvious as anything I've ever seen. 
But that's the best they've got at this point. That's why all of a sudden the United Nations is, they hate Jews and they're racist. Amnesty International, they hate Jews, they're racist. Even Haaretz, they've started saying, is an anti-Semite platform. Think about how stupid that is. Ashamed of their war crimes, the IDF and the Israeli government want Jewish Israelis to know just how brutal they are actually being. How complete the destruction and annihilation and suffering. After all, remember that polls found only 1.8% of Israeli Jews thought the IDF were using too much firepower. Nearly 60% thought they were not using enough. Right? And we've talked about that. I think it's an indication of how influential the Zionist manipulation has been. But it is not the entirety. And even then, I would argue, I don't know how much we can trust that poll, because that's something I think that, it, it, bottom line, we know there are groups and large groups that operate within Israel and outside of Israel that are Jewish organizations and otherwise that actively tell you Zionism is a problem. So it's just important to never broad stroke in any conversation because that's just ignorant. But I'll tell you, the two-party paradigm thrives on broad strokes. But here's something I just want you not to miss. This is horrifying. Again, to the same point about what they're capable of. Cuts News Network points this out. A horrifying video circulated by Israelis on social media. Now, heads up, this is a little bit graphic. Not it's not graphic in the sense of what we have been people have been showing, but it does. It's hard to watch. You'll see why. But just heads up. If you have children. Make sure you, you're, you're, you know, don't let them see this. Shows Israeli soldiers in the West Bank testing a new sniping weapon on a random civilian. This is actually what you're about to see. It's not. It shouldn't be surprising to you at all, seeing as how we played videos of them laughing about sniping children through the fence and go, oh my god, we got him, son of a whore. We've shown you that video from the Guardian more than once. This is IDF members sitting in their car planning to shoot this random guy to test out this new weapon where they can shoot people apparently from sitting in their without even getting out of the car. Now understand, oh, I think, hold on, I want to go here. Understand, the argument is, and it does look like in one of those one of those pictures for a second, he might have been throwing a rock, but I, I can't tell based on the rest of it. But either way, if you argue that this is what you should get because you throw a rock, then you're part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. God, it just makes me sick. What in the hell is that? Anyway, that's that's this is real, guys. I mean, it's 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 publicized in a lot of different ways, and they think that's okay, right? Yeah, how how you know we we think you might be throwing a stone, 
We'll shoot you in the leg. This is the only democracy in the Middle East or whatever lies we get sold. No, this is this is an apartheid occupation that is at best an authoritarian dictatorship, as far as I can tell, that pretends like there's something else or an oligarchy or different levels of this and all existing at the same time. Well, really, you know, if you break this into it's a you know extremist religious ethno state at the end of the day, but this is what we're talking about. And here's another example. Khaleesi points out Israeli forces just sniped a 14-year-old child who left a school in an occupied neighborhood. They aim for the knees because, as Israeli soldiers say, it's more fun to watch. It's just this, it's what they just did, right? Just watched them literally do it. Just, it's disgusting. Here's Max Blumenthal, and I'm not going to play these for you because these are really hard to watch. But just as he says, just Israel's daily terror raid on the civilians of Gaza and just shows you how horrible this is. I mean, these are, the whole streets are littered with innocent people. Bombs destroyed houses. It's graphic. I just kind of skimmed through it. Pinpoint targeting Hamas, as Shmuley would lie to you about. And the point is, guys, they're running down this long street. It's the whole way. Not just one little area, the whole damn thing. It's all Gaza, guys. They're destroying this and murdering everybody in their way. Now, this one is graphic. I'm going to play a little bit of it. Right on here, I'm not going to play the audio. just want you guys to see this. It's graphic. Prepare yourselves. God, I can't take any more. That's just unbelievable. These are children. These are children being treated because they bombed a civilian location like everywhere else on, on the floor with no antiseptic because that's what Israel made sure was happening. That kid's, that kid's going to lose his leg. They can't do anything. So he's going to get an amputated leg. He's got no anesthetic. They have nothing they can do. Makes me sick. And this is supposed to be defending yourself? As Owen Jones points out, media outlets and politicians are trying to demonize Palestinian solidarity by focusing on misconstrued chance and unrepresented extreme or unrepresent, excuse me, unrepresent, uh, unrepresentative, excuse me, I don't know why the struggle to unrepresentative extremists. I think I thought it said something else while ignoring genocidal rhetoric from Israeli ministers and officials on a daily basis. This is Owen Jones from The Guardian. He, he's the one that po- pointed out the the. It lie about the entire Israeli propaganda video where they did not see any proof of anything that they said was showing in that. And since I bring that up, I'll show you real quick. Somebody else tweeted this about his, and you can watch it for yourself, Dilly Hussein, but this is his video, 25 minutes, where he breaks it down. And it tells you there is no proof of beheaded babies, no proof of Hamas killing children, no proof of rape, no proof of beheading humans alive. None of these things in the videos, they tell you prove all of that. And he even checked with UK and US journals who were there and they agree there was, it just wasn't there. And yet you've got this endless procession of Israeli journalists going, that proves everything. We saw it all. I just can't unsee it. I watched it seven more times. Well, that's pretty gross. We're hearing that a lot. So Owen Jones telling you that they're screaming about how dangerous and, and, and anti-Semitic and they all want to kill all the Jews, except what they're pointing at is from the river to the sea or Palestine, Palestinian shit, you know, any of the, the things they're saying, which do not mean what they're saying. It mean, certainly could. But by and large, when you talk to these people or the fact that you're talking about think groups like Jewish Voice for Peace who are screaming for the same thing and you tell them they're racist against you, it doesn't make any sense. 
The point is, it's misrepresented, misconstrued manipulations of what they're actually saying. Meanwhile, to his point, here's what they're actually saying in Israel. Israel's heritage minister says nuking Gaza is one of the possibilities, can go to Ireland or go to deserts, whichever they want. Anyone waving a Palestinian flag, quote, shouldn't continue living on the face of the earth. These people are something special, guys, and I'm talking about Zionist or really anybody who has this kind of mentality. There's something specially sociopathic, psychopathic with people that have these mindsets. Literally, anybody who waved that flag shouldn't be living anymore. Why do we pretend like these people are somehow normal? This whole pretend illusion we have about modern society and you get people like this that are going back to the dark ages with their rhetoric, with their mindset, with their racism. The same things they're pretending that we're all trying to fight. Rules-based international order, equity, equality. And then here they come. Here's what he says. Uh, I mean, same thing I already read, basically. Anyone, and here, this is the article. You can read it for yourself. Far-right minister nuking Gaza is an option. He got reprimanded for saying it the first time. Said it again. Doesn't care. Anyone waving a Palestinian flag should not be continue living on the face of the earth. And we're going to pretend like they're going to only go after Hamas as they're calling everybody a terrorist that does anything they don't like, including groups and international bodies. It's, it's embarrassing. And again, here's the kind of stuff that the IDF is leaving in their houses. We will haunt you for the rest of your lives. With a smiley face. With a star of David, of course. Which, by the way, is not a Jewish concept. It is an Israeli Zionist concept. But that's the game they play. Because anything about Israel is somehow about attacking the Jews. And that's how they then redirect anything about Israel's policies into somehow you being an anti-Semite. But again, it's just not work anymore. Now, last point here, Israel threatens to bomb Egypt aid trucks heading to Gaza. Yeah, that's been happening over and over and over. That was October 10th. Right. Remember, that was public. They said, but now acting like somehow it didn't happen at all. Or as we said here, they said they were bombing Rafa crossing after telling Gazas to go through it. That was October 10th as well, which, by the way, has happened every single day since they just started lying about it somewhere along the road. That's Times of Israel. But Egypt has spoken up. Israel's stance ongoing is stopping entry of crucial aid. Literally everybody but Israel basically is saying this. Again, this is. 28th of October, Egypt says Israel's obstacles impeding aid to Gaza. They spoke up again at end of last month. He's accusing Israel of deliberately impeding aid to Gaza. It's all very public. So I wanted to make sure you saw this. This is from even CNN, February 11th. Why only a trickle of aid is getting into Gaza, despite what Israel continues to lie about? Which, the point that I want you to see, it says some four months since Israel began its genocide, it is yet to complete its objective of destroying all of Palestine. I'm adding these things, by the way. This CNN is talking about Hamas. And it says, leaving, uh, leaving most of Gaza's civilian population at the mercy of aid that must be approved by Israel. Oh, well, look at that. Turns out you can't hide the reality. But it says, while aid reaching the Gaza Strip was insufficient, even before October 7th, which everybody admitted, According to the United Nations, the humanitarian situation has been greatly hit by the conflict, which has killed more than 27,000 people, over 70 to 80 percent of the women and children. Again, they say, according to the Hamas-run Gaza ministry, but let's not forget that Israel has had to admit that their military intelligence is using Gaza's numbers in their reports they use to then gauge their actions. And historically, they've almost always been right in line with what Israel says. So the game that even Shmuley just tried to play, well, I don't trust Hamas's numbers. That's just a sidestep to try to muddy the waters. They already admitted that they are trusting their numbers. But it says, getting any form of relief in Gaza's long and arduous process, an average 
of 95 aid trucks per day have entered Gaza between October 10th and February 1st. That's this month, according to the Palestinian Red Crescent, which, by the way, before you say that's a lot, that's down. Remember, before October 7th was a barely, if I mean, it was insufficient is the point. You weren't meeting the needs of the Gazan people before October 7th. Now, for 95 a day, down from 500 a day before the war. So 500 aid trucks for 2.5 million people was not meeting their needs. And now you're down to 95 and they're suffering and in need more than ever. Let's just recognize how insulting it is to pretend like they're doing any. And this is all, as even CNN is telling you, because Israel won't let it happen. And yet, because they're maniacs, will stand up and say, we're doing everything for them. They've got everything they need. There's not even a humanitarian crisis. They actually said that. It makes my skin crawl how disgusting it is. Daniela Moda's pointing out this was uh, the 18th. Saturday, a total of eight trucks entered Gaza via the crossing. Eight on Saturday. While the Kareem Shalom crossing remains closed due to the protests backed up by the Israeli government led by illegal settlers. Mossad and even the Israeli accounts have praised them. Keep doing it. I've shown them to you. Now, meanwhile, hundreds of trucks remain stuck at their border. And as Egypt keeps telling you, the Egypt-Palestinian border, Israel won't let it happen. But yet you get Elon Levy lying to you. Israel is facilitating aid into Gaza quicker than the UN can distribute it. I mean, they're just blatantly lying about this stuff. He says this is the content of 500 trucks on Gaza's side of Kareem Shalom. We just read to you the reality, which is backed up by the UN, backed up even by the United States. He is just lying to you. Because look, there are screenshots. Can't you tell that's real? A la Twitter files, right? That's how that's supposed to work. Now, frankly, I didn't even check to see if these are old images. Either way, it doesn't matter. Because the truth is, whatever they're saying, you can see what's actually making it there. You can see the UN side. You can see the Egypt side. And we're, they're proving that Elon Levy is showing you words on a Twitter page and screenshots. Egypt and the UN are repeatedly proving to you every day that this is what's actually happening. That is not what's happening. That, what they're, that Israel's blocking it. Make it simple. And I said Israel's making it impossible to get aid through. And its illegal settlers are provably blocking it if it does. Everyone but you is openly acknowledging that. Here is another example on the same day where Israel, according to Cuz News Network and a few other platforms that proved this, covered it, showed you the reality, are shooting at them while they're waiting for these aid trucks that may probably won't even come through. You can hear him. His point is they're walking and all of a sudden they start shooting at him and everyone starts fleeing. These are people who are borderline starving to death right now. Some of them actually starving to death. Here's UNRWA telling you Gaza's become fast, very fast, one of the most dangerous places to be an aid worker. CNN, Israeli forces fired, according to even CNN, which doesn't mean it's true because CNN said it, you realize how dis, how uncommon this is. That you, the CNN is pointing out what actually happened while Israel is saying it didn't. The point is, you could prove it did. They're lying to you like every other time that they fired on a UN convoy carrying vital supplies. Okay, so Elon, you want to tell me how that lines up with your narrative? Everyone's pointing out that you just opened fire on aid trucks that UN were carrying and then said the UN won't do anything. You're lying, bud, and everyone sees it. Blocking trucks progressing north where people are on the verge of famine. That's, a, that's actually another part of this, too. Trucks are, some of them do make it through. Remember, 95 when it used to be 500 and it wasn't even meeting their needs before, but then they come through and then even those band-aids on a bullet hole amount get sent down to north they just, and they won't let it happen to people that truly need it the most, more than anybody. 
in the north. But here's an example of Israelis throwing a rave, a literal rave to party and dance in order to block the aid that he keeps telling you is flying through. This, they're, they're literally having a rave. They're, they're doing this to block the aid. These are one of these propagandists that screams everything pro-Israel, but you can show endless streams. of Go to the Mossad Twitter page and just look up blocking the aid. It's every other day. And they're going, good job, guys. Keep it up. And here he is lying regardless. He says there's still hundreds of trucks worth of humanitarian aid sitting at the Gazan side of the board. You know why? Because you're blocking them. Because you're blocking them. That's the whole point. And even CNN has acknowledged that. But you see, they play the game of narratives. He says it's been there for days waiting for the U.N. to pick it up. U.N. officials are scapegoating Israel. So what's the actual argument here? Are you actually trying to argue that the entire U.N. body, which, by the way, is not just one thing. It's not just one acting thing. That's him playing on the ignorance of most people. It's a multifaceted body full of all sorts of different agencies that, yes, that work alongside each other and work in, you know, come down from a top-down control structure. But to argue it's just the U.N., who've all like colluded in the background to go, let's blame Israel for what's going on. I mean, anything's possible, but how about you show us a shred of evidence? That's actually the bigger point that even uh, in regard to UNRWA, they just spoke up and said, still waiting for the evidence you pretend is there. That was from Felipe Lazzarini. He pointed this out and saying, you still have not proven your claims. They don't care though. It was, it's narrative influencing as much as they can. They move on to the next lie. But here is Furkan, I uh, forget how to say his last name. Oh, here's another one of those examples. But he says, is blatant lying not a sin? Oh, but look, the post is unavailable, guys. Must be that it was censored, right? Because Twitter wouldn't just lie to you, would it? Well, guess what? The link, that's my point about the link. If you do a, a, a quote share, here it is. Look at that. It's actually still there. Well, how does that make sense? Because Twitter is censoring important content that exposes you the lies that they're showing. That's what's going I mean, there's no way around this. That's not by accident. And it's very selective and it's very specific in regard to the ones they're using it on. Here's the point. Quote, Israeli protesters block aid into Gaza as starvation looms. Israeli government killing civilians with famine. One of the most horrific ways of killing people happening in World War II. And this is coming from corporate media. That's why. And just to show you this again, see so that's how it's gone, right? You click on it, go back. Oh, wow. Did it really just not let me go back to it? How hilarious. Here we go. Oh, last time it popped up. Well, either way, the point is you can clearly see it. I just want, I, I really hope that people who otherwise think that he's on your side or that Twitter's fighting for free speech, it's just not happening. It's very, very transparent. Now, Freddie Pontone also points out that the U it says the U.S. envoy says Israel has not presented evidence that Hamas has diverted aid. That was one of the earliest conversations. It's all because of Hamas, but the proof has not been there from day one. Like literally every other claim they make. They float these narratives. They pretend as if it's completely proven. And they use their lackeys to scream at you that it's been proven, that if you deny it, you're a liar and anti-Semite. And then they just move forward. The rape allegations, the alleg I mean, everything. And there are some people honest enough to stand up and go, wait a minute, man, you haven't proven this yet. There is not, you have insinuation, you've got conjecture, some points that you point to that may, could, might be indicative of that, but not proving these things. This is from Associated Press. Hamas didn't do that. Even Matt Miller was caught in a ridiculous lie when it was either, we've gone over every single day of this. 
First, it was Hamas was blocking it. Then it was that Hamas wasn't there or nobody was there to receive it. It was just a ridiculous game they played. Israel has been doing this since the beginning. This is October 10th that they were bombing the very crossing that they were telling people to go through and that the aid was trying to come through and Egypt was telling you that. They're threatening to bomb the aid trucks if they go to Gaza. I just can't make it any more clear. Now, here's Elon Levy literally showing this on the 15th. Realize that there are children starving to death on the 15th, on the 16th, on the 17th, on the, every day, right up to right now. They are starving to death every single day. This has been proven by journalists on the ground. Here's what he writes. This Gazan TikToker shows sandwiches that he says were given to him by, by displaced Gazans in Khan Yunus, or given to displaced Gazans in Khan Yunus by the IDF. The paper package says in Hebrew, it's from a week ago. As somebody wrote down below, probably full of pork or whatever else, but the bottom line is, think about how callous this is. Imagine pointing to individual sandwich wrappers by the way, we have no way to verify, so I probably to bet you it's not even real. But during a starvation campaign, showing a couple of sandwiches and saying, that's, see, showing you sandwich wrappers while children are starving to death. An unprecedented genocide is unfolding and while gleefully destroying Palestinian life. Imagine being that malicious, that maniacal, that cruel. Assuming it's even true. Mohammed Safa points out, and this was on the 18th, an eight-year-old girl died of starvation that day. An elderly person died of starvation as well. And a child also died of starvation in a refugee camp. He, they're keeping track of these. Forced starvation in Gaza is not self-defense. I don't care what you're trying to argue. If a, anybody is starving to death because they can't access what you're claiming is there, that is the responsibility of the occupier. Period. They are murdering people with action and inaction. And, of course, then they're posting videos of having lots of food, right? Because that's what you do. You starve them, you torture them, and then you make fun of them. I mean, the point is, these are being posted on their social media platforms, and they're and they're laughing. They're making fun of them, starving, and have they're having these lush buffets. Some of these happening in Gaza. We also showed an example of that weird article that was written about how the IDF are making meals out of the leftover food in the people's homes they forced away who are now starving, acting like it's some lifestyle article about how they have to use their food, and it, but they're still having fun. Like it, it was grotesque. And then another point. Sorry for this picture. It's kind of grotesque, but that's not, it's disgusting. But it's a child that was burned by probably white phosphorus or whatever else they're using on children. But to show you another example of a post that's gone, unavailable. And again, I, I didn't know what it was, but I was able to find it because I was, I, I guess what I did. I used a different account and logged in, but weirdly enough, I can't see it. I wonder why that is. But here it is. Just a screenshot because I, I used it on my phone from a different account. Here's what it said. Now we will go to Gaza. Young people, friends, brave men, sisters, brothers, I believe that you will not leave us alone. We are taking ships. Good news. We will go to the Mediterranean. We will go to Gaza. This way is open. The way is Palestine. I forget this. I, I don't have all the info because weirdly enough, when I'm on my phone, it doesn't let me read the longer post, even though I have the blue check because Twitter's ridiculous. It's probably censorship or that it's not working. Either way, it's ridiculous. The point is 
first of all, more and more I keep seeing are being suppressed and censored like this. And we don't realize that they're not being deleted or gone. They're just being suppressed. They're still there. They're hiding it from everybody. But on top of that, the point is actually to point out that this is an individual who was arguing we're going to take our own ships and we're going to bring food to the people in Palestine. Now, the reason I wanted to point that out is because what happens, like if you forget the story about the freedom flotillas that I've covered, remember the one of the examples was a, a member, a, 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 a veteran who was on the USS Liberty, who was a part of one of those. He got, he was imprisoned by Israel for a long time unjustly he wasn't breaking any laws and the u.s government didn't care they didn't even talk about it just showing you how meek they are when it comes to israel doing anything to u.s citizens let alone i mean there's there's palestinian americans right now all on gaza they don't care about they care about anywhere else but my point here is that what happens when they bring this food on these ships what happens when these people try to bring food to starving people that israel says they're trying to do too and they shoot them and they sink the ship and kill people which i'm willing to bet you will happen if they try what happens then? One, it proves to you that they're not trying to bring them food, but two, it just shows you what they're willing to do to maintain their genocide. Pretty wild. So let's bring this back into the conversation. A couple more points about uh, Israel that I wanted to get into, and then we're going to bring it over to finish with the Red Cross conversation. Now, I really want people to try to clip this out, the, the Red Cross conversation. I really want that to happen because I think there's a lot of important stuff to be discussed in this, but let's go back to this point. Now, on that same note, we were just showing you, Mohammed Safa points this out today. Israel has convinced the world. Now, I don't agree with that. I think it's only lied. I don't know how to frame it. I don't think the world buys most of what they're doing, and the world mean like the populations at large. But I do believe that the lying politicians and people with either you know compromised positions or willing just lying for their own benefit have pretended that they go along with the narrative that UN is Hamas, but I don't believe they've actually influenced the way that they pretend they have. That's my opinion. But he writes, Israel's convinced the world that Hamas is using UN facilities. Turned out that Israel occupied UN facilities to continue its human rights violations. That's what's happening. Civilian oppression is still ongoing in Gaza. These people are already starving and they have to go through this. Look at this. before you're telling me those are all hamas members because if they're not you're you're obviously violating the, the international law i mean quite frankly they are regardless but are we to believe that you're telling us those are all hamas members well are you did you arrest them all show me show me all the arrested hamas members you have and then prove that they're hamas or did you kill them all and now show me the number of hamas members that you claim you've killed it doesn't add up they're arresting palestinians because they're palestinians and they're torturing them and everybody seems to be acknowledging this other than people who have the ability to stop it which you need to ask why that is. Now, here is Doctors Without Borders. Now, let me ask you something. They're telling you that the UN is Hamas, right? UNRWA is Hamas. The journalists are Hamas. The ambulance drivers are Hamas. The schools and mosques, they're all Hamas. Are you now pretending that Doctors Without Borders are Hamas too? They haven't said that yet. And I made the same point about the UN location. I made that. I said that right up until they suddenly started claiming it was Hamas. Maybe it's because we focused on it. But either way, I was saying not even Israel is claiming that the UN is working with Hamas. And yet they just kept murdering people. They kept bombing UN locations and nobody was talking about it. Barely even the independent media. You remember if you're watching this show. And then all of a sudden they were telling, oh, it's Hamas. And we found the tunnel and they lie about everything. Well, nobody's argued that 
Doctors Without Borders is Hamas. So here they are telling you the same things, the same things that UN, the UN locations are telling you, the same thing the journals are telling you, the same thing that even now corporate media is telling you. I guess they're all Hamas, right? It says tonight, Israel's forces, Israeli forces conducted an operation in Al-Mawasi, Khan Yunus, Gaza, you know, the safe location, where a shelter housing Doctors Without Borders staff and their families were shelled. How do you make sense of that without realizing they're just bombing anybody they don't like or just anybody? They're bombing a location full of Doctors Without Borders and their families. So you either have to argue that they were working with Hamas and they knew that and were hiding it or that they were just bombing them because they were reporting what they don't want reported or because they were helping people they don't want helped or just because they're bombing everything. Goes on to say, while details are still emerging, Ambulance crews have now reached the site where at least two family members of our colleagues have been killed and six wounded. Ready for the narrative, Israel? What do you got, Elon Levy? Are they all Hamas? Doctors Without Borders are part of the UN now secretly we didn't know about? What is your narrative going to be? Because it's obvious that you just murdered people, so the best you're going to do is call them racist, that they're lying, or that they're somehow already Hamas. Let's wait and find out. Mark my words. It says, we are horrified by what has taken place. Or, by the way, they could just ignore it, which actually seems like the most plausible thing to happen, seeing as how they've lost control of this a long time ago. But they followed up. This is today. Some 1.5 million people have been displaced to Rafah in Gaza. They have been deprived of food and water. Israel lies about that. They have been subjected to evacuation orders and forced displacement by the Israeli military, all of which are international violations of international law, war crimes. <clears throat> it says there is no safe place in Gaza. People have nowhere left to go. Attacks have intensified on Rafa, and people are starting to flee back to the north, which, by the way, they're being shot when they do. I keep showing you this. Meanwhile, evacuation orders and attacks on Nasir Hospital in the city of Khan Yunus forced patients to undergo treat, undergoing treatment to leave the hospital. I mean, it's just so over the top everywhere. They've never proven any one of these locations are what they claim. At Rafa Indonesian Field Hospital, our teams are treating people for war-treated trauma Injuries and burns and required sustained, sustained care. All these people are civilians. 5,800 5, medical consultations, provi consultations provided. Almost 6,000. 200 admitted for treatment. 40% with war-related burns. The medical response in Gaza only scratches the surf of, surface of people's overwhelming needs for medical care with local health officials reporting that almost 70,000 Palestinians have been injured since October 23rd. 70,000. Rafa and the whole of Gaza need a safe humanitarian response. Now, let me ask you something. So when I say 70,000 injured, well, you know what the Israeli response would be. Elon, Elon Levy would say, well, Hamas, tell Hamas, stop using human shields. You know, it's real quick. Stop. It's a very blithe response. Okay, let's just pretend like that makes sense. It doesn't. It's, it's a ridiculous response. It's a crime no matter what. The point is, let's just pretend that makes sense. Okay, what if it was 100,000? Well, you know, he'd say the same thing. We'll stop using human shields. What if it was a million? You get my point? At what point does it suddenly not make sense anymore? Well, my point, it obviously doesn't regardless. But from the narrative they're spinning and the lying politicians that pretend it does, where's the line? I'd love to hear your answer. Is it a million? Is there no line? Can you always just kill whoever you want because you claim that they're using them without proving that? You have to acknowledge that doesn't make sense. If there's if there's a line, well, then it's wrong to begin with because then you can argue that, the, well, it's just there's too much death to make it make sense. Well, okay, well, I think that's happening now. But you have to understand they know they're wrong. They know we see they're wrong. 
And that's what's driving their actions right now because it's desperation. I've been saying it for a long time. Now, here is another baby that was killed in the current bombings of Rafa. This was yesterday. Another baby killed in addition to four other civilians in just the one recent strike. Probably 15 or 20 of them that day. Which, by the way, again, this area was announced as safe by Israel. They don't have anywhere else to go. To be very clear, by the way, they keep playing this game where they're saying, well, we're trying to find a plan, and then we're going to move in on the ground, right? And until we have the plan, Biden's like, you can't do it. Okay, well, that means right now there is no plan, as they keep telling you, which means they don't know where they're going to go. There's no stated next place. Yet they're bombing. Can you make sense of that for me? You're bombing in the safe zone without having told them where they need to go next, even though they're being shot when they go north and there's nowhere else they really can go. So you're bombing a location that is supposed to be the safe area when you haven't told them where else to go and we're pretending like they care? Here's Unruh telling you, in northern Gaza, schools are unrecognizable, reduced to rubble. In Rafa, half the population have nowhere to go but Unruh shelters. And 153 different UNRWA installations have now been attacked during the war on Gaza. Children should be in schools to learn, not sheltering from bombs. 153 United Nations locations have been bombed. <laughs> I'd love you to find a parallel to that anywhere else. Arnaud Bertrand wants you to remind, rem remember that 18 Western countries have cut funding to UNRWA based on unsubstantiated accusations by Israel which they still have not provided evidence for. And that's what I was saying about this. This is Haaretz. UNRWA chief tells Haaretz he's still waiting for that evidence. Read it for yourself. It says, Lazzarini says Israel has handed him a report detailing its findings, has not, excuse me, hasn't given a report nor the evidence supporting it. The foreign ministry official reported the information to him which Lazzarini says were severe enough and shocking enough for action to be taken, which is just the quote from the, the point was the allegations. And he said on the record that he'd have no, have no insight into this as far as he's concerned. That's never, never seen any evidence of that. Like the point is his answer was, I don't know anything about that. I'm not there. So it, you know, he, and he took action regardless just to, you know, essentially say, well, these people are in question right now. So we'll pull them out for now. But, his point was, I don't think that's, not, I shouldn't say that, but it was that he's not admitting that it's happening. He's simply expressing that I don't know of that. And they misrepresented that to mean that he's admitting that it was there, but he just, oh, I didn't even know. Like, it's such a, everything that they do about this shows you, one, that they have to lie, which tells you something, but that they are being dishonest. At the, even if it was things that, like, you wouldn't have to be dishonest about that. If you actually found that, which we've now proven they didn't, just show it. Say, here's the evidence we found. But no, it comes along with this massive push from 14 different people on Twitter and everywhere else going, all the narratives and all the push, even though there's no actual evidence yet. It's all insinuation and allegation. And as he says, the list of countries who have pulled funding to the only last saving grace to the people who are starving to death because we just, until we get the evidence, hasn't even happened yet. And realize the main point is UNRWA is the office that maintains this, the records of the right to return. The records of all the refugees who, based on the 1967 conversation and that the UN has ordered them to move out of, have the right to return to their territory. And Israel has never allowed that. So they're all still to this day violating a UN resolution, like many of them, but that they want to destroy UNRWA, as they've even said publicly, to get rid of the records. And all these countries are 
dutifully going along with that genocide. David Coley writes, absolutely no idea why Prince William felt it was his place to say too many have died. What are you talking about? These people have lost the plot, man. This is another one of these blind Israel Zionist supporters. So Prince William speaks up and says too many have died. You have no idea why he felt the need? Like, and what he says is, I hope the UK never faces a genocidal threat like Israel. Okay, where is that? Where's the genocidal threat to Israel? Point it out. I know you love to scream about how Moss is going to take out. Well, that's what you say they're going to do based on the leadership that repeats that because you're protecting them. But I don't see that happening. It's an obvious genocide based on every metric, even the world court that you're conducting in Gaza. The idea that, that Israel's currently facing a genocidal threat, you could argue you're facing a threat from Hamas. Sure, nobody dis disputes that. But you're trying to display, be like, we're the ones suffering a genocidal threat while you're literally carrying out a genocide. Think about how ridiculous and disgusting that is. But the point is, I hope they never have to deal with the threat from the thing we're pointing to and that they don't need to protect themselves. William has no place talking about this. Well, what do you, I think about that. The world can see children being killed. 15,000. Anybody who is a human being with a conscience has the right, no, the obligation to speak about that. But David doesn't like it. How dare you speak about our genocide? It's not working, David. You guys have lost control. Your narrative just scared people back because insinuations of racism or being not your place, you've lost it because you've been lying the whole time. And if you lie about everything, people are going to begin to speak up. And I think the truth is that their belligerent actions have caused people to pay attention. But it's not just going on in Gaza, by the way, the Iran point to begin with, but it's also Lebanon. They've been bombing Lebanon and nobody's even, people are barely talking about it. So that means Lebanon, Hezbollah in particular, and Iran and every asset they have in regard to in Iran have not even responded yet. Think about the restraint that takes. Think about the contrast to what the belligerents of Israel and the U.S. have been. It's wild to me, but that I promise you there will be a response. That's what I'm worried about. And this, and what happens will be the fault of these of Israel and the governments blindly supporting their belligerents. But here's Hanania Naftali, you know, the one who tweeted about how Israel bombed that hospital, then deleted it and pretended it was Hamas, and then that's the narrative. But nobody, and even Twitter called that out. The guy who's literally like the propagandist who worked on Twitter, he says, "Bad day for Hezbollah," and shows a bunch of bombings in Lebanon. Hezbollah. Okay, well, again, Frucon points out, well, you just destroyed civilian lives, which, by the way, has been roundly reported even by corporate media. So they're murdering civilians, and they say, bad day for Hezbollah. You see a narrative starting all over again? Hezbollah's using civilians as human shields. They've already made that allegation in the past. So by the same narrative, they can just kill everybody in Lebanon. Does that make sense to anybody? I mean, why is it any different based on the lie? They're telling you Hezbollah is in control. They're telling you they're using human shields. And they literally just bombed a bunch of civilians and said, bad day for Hezbollah. They're getting away with murder because the U.S. government is blindly allowing this. But here's just a video pointing out the owner of the attacked place discussing how civilians were killed. It bombed these civilian locations. You can watch it for yourself. I mean, it's blatantly obvious. It's reported everywhere but Israel media, or rather, the, some of them actually are still. Like Haaretz and many have, weirdly enough, been pointing out some truths. But the point is, civilians. And here's another example. Hussein lost, this is Mint Press News. This child lost his entire family after Israel just bombed civilian locations in southern Lebanon. His whole family just got murdered. But yeah, but, but, but bad day for Hezbollah, right? Really feel that. That is horrifying. 
These people are murdering civilians that they know they are killing and then proudly, they want praise. Again, that's the worst of the worst. Mike Pompeo, of course, speaks up. I haven't gotten into this yet, but I'll probably do another focus on Yemen coming up soon. He says the Houthis on Sarala movement sinking a British ship as a reminder that the only way to stop this to confront the Houthis, Israel, no, he says Iran. So after everything that's going on, Iran has been bombed by Israel and their proxy army of, of ISIS, which we've already talked about. And they haven't even responded since the last one. And they have only bombed locations in the illegally occupied areas of Syria and Iraq. And yet you're telling us that Iran is the biggest issue right now, that we have to stand up and confront the bad guy, Iran, that's responsible for the murdering of Gazans? No. Responsible for the destabilization of all the area? Well, no. Are they responsible for the, de- the destruction of Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan? No. Okay, well, then what are you talking about here? Oh, I get it because Iran is not okay with your murdering genocidal actions. Okay, I get it. Just I, I just can't believe I'm telling you, Mike has got a run coming up here. This guy is, is the worst. We lie, we cheat, we steal Pompeo. Kabork says, the Houthis sinking a British ship is a reminder that the only way to stop this is to confront the source, Israel. Exactly. Now, my point in this is to remember. Now, first of all, there's a discussion to be had about whether the Houthis firing on ships that might or might not, or just to say might not be in, in regard to what's going on with Israel. You could argue that might be illegal. And you may be right. And I said that point about the earlier points when they were bombing ships that you could argue was against the law. But this this is a very different conversation, especially since what we have to understand is the very people that are telling them they're breaking the law are the ones that have the least respect for anything that they claim is the law that I've ever seen in my life, who are actively violating that same law. Every single thing that they do, including the genocide of Gaza, which the only group in the world that has stood up to stop it, the Ansarallah movement and Yemen. Anywhere, even including Iran, anybody else, the Houthis, excuse me, the Ansarallah movement have been the sole group, the sole state actor to stand up and stand in the way as best they can of the ongoing genocide. And by doing this, and, and they threaten to see, you come through here with a, a support for Israel, we'll stop it. I agree with it. Simple as that. But I can also acknowledge that the actions could be deemed illegal. But I, again, we can't play the game where only the people that the U.S. are acting against are somehow capable of breaking the law. The U.S. breaks the law every 10 seconds, probably less than that. I mean, it's, it buys it, everything they're doing. The illegal occupation of Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, currently illegal, no question. Doesn't matter. But let's pretend like it's only bad when they do. The bottom line is he wants you to blame Iran. Somehow Iran out of all of this. Well, at the very least, you could make it about the group actually doing the bombing. No, nope. It's always Iran because there's an agenda behind it all. It's just so me, it's feeble. It's transparent. But Mike Pompeo, it might as well be, you know, Nikki Haley might as well be Mike Pompeo with a wig. I mean, they are the same thing, and people don't buy it anymore. Now, I want to point, I'm going to, I'm going to do another focus on this again, just because of how much keeps coming back up, but you know, maybe not based on this one point, but I wanted to go over this again. The, the rape allegations, right? Coming off of the argument of everything we've talked about, the best that they could do is misrepresent, lie with atrocity propaganda to hide what's actually going on. I mean, and, and that's not to say about the rape allegations, as far as I've said from the very beginning, they have not proven there's at, at levels of evidence. That, ha- that still don't come to the level of proof, which anybody honest has already acknowledged, including many people in the international community. But my point is that they have provably, 
put out atrocity propaganda that like I've never seen before. 40 beheaded babies, the woman's stomach being cut open, the baby in an oven, all the babies on a clothes hanger, all these same baby arguments and all, every single one of them have been proven to be false, even by Haaretz, especially since the argument that only one baby apparently died in all of it kind of debunks their whole narrative, doesn't it? The point is, she says, this is one of the same people, Marina, these class, you'll see the same faces doing this, and she cites, uh, I guess, just a Jerusalem Post article, but no picture, no link, nothing, which is typically what that happens here. Ha- quote, hostages who have returned from Gaza have revealed grotesque sexual violence towards the hostages. 14 young girls remain in Gaza. Now, which ones are we talking about, Marina? Oh, they're anonymous. You don't get to tell. And any single, I mean, literally every one of them, from top to bottom, have come out and said they treated us kindly, they gave us food, nothing. And yeah, weirdly, from behind an anonymous wall that's posted by people that have already been caught lying, they're telling you suddenly different things that back up the narrative all this time later. Certainly possible, but it seems a little bit weak, doesn't it? Same point here. And all the same characters. He posted the image, actually. Hamas terrorists forced families to watch loved ones get raped at gunpoint. Says somebody we can't verify from a person who's already been caught lying. I can't. I just can't anymore, he says. Okay, certainly could be true, right? But don't you need evidence to make these allegations? Well, if you read the article for yourself, which, quite frankly, you should, but it's not worth your time because it's the same thing, and I'll show you why. Same, another one. Every one of these people I've already focused on, these are people that have been caught lying many, many times. Remember, we just debunked a story about 67 different sperms being found in one of these people that came back from Gaza. She was forced to come back the very next day and say, I apologize. It was a rumor. I should be more careful. Somebody seeded that narrative to her, and she said it. It's coming from the same source, guys. These are narratives. That it's just one after another fake stories to keep you distracted. Aviva points out, quote, Hamas didn't just rape. They forced families to watch. Well, why not? Why not take the lie one step further? There's no proof anyway. But the point is, Jerusalem Post, this is the article. It says a report analyzing testimonies from the October 7th massacre. Okay, so this is what I keep telling you. There is no new evidence. Despite the fact that she's arguing that this, the unprovable allegation that since they come back, they've argued this from when they were being held hostage. But the overall point is all this article is doing is reanalyzing the stuff that you already heard. Nonetheless, you've got all the same propagandists jumping up and saying, new breaking story, new evidence that breaks this. No, it's not. They've done this four times already where they just recycle from a different angle with a new person the, the same claims. Hiding behind a bush, they cut the breast off and rolled it up. The same stuff you keep hearing, which is horrifying. I have yet to see a single provable point of evidence. And even weird overlaps that where you can prove people are lying. And I'll show you one quickly in a second. Proving that people that claim they saw things, you can prove that they ne- couldn't have possibly seen because it's an image of something that happened in 2022. I, it's over and over, but the same characters keep doing the same thing reanalyzing the same thing is not breaking evidence. It's the same thing. And Mazig comes in with the same, same person, same group. Difficult to read. He says systemic and premeditated gang rape of underage girls. It, okay. So the point is you're just restating people who are re are, where's the word for it? The first official report of the Israeli association of rape crisis center details all the evidence. Okay. So here's what they did. They established a new group. 
The Israeli Association of Rape Crisis Center. Okay, so they will rather just use this group or set it up and then ultimately reevaluate the same things. Okay, so if thus far they haven't proven this, and remember, have no forensic evidence because they've already admitted that they let that window lapse and oopsie, we didn't get the evidence. And they've admitted that in a court of law, according to Israel, that means they can never be charged because that's what you, without that, there is no crime. So that means no matter what going forward, at best, it'll just be a story that is being put forward. Maybe true, but you can't legally prove it. So that's important. Doesn't mean it's not true. But if you can't legally prove it, it means there's no legal accountability. Then what are you trying to accomplish right now? It's about pr propaganda, about narratives, about controlling your perception. Then you can realize that if they didn't take forensic evidence, which is the only job that they actually had to accomplish after a, a week period where it wasn't the first day and they were responding, but that they had bodies and allegations and claims, why wouldn't they have done that? Think about that. I think it's fair. I, there's two things I would think because one, that didn't, there was no evidence, but two, what they found was not what they wanted to report. Think about that for a second. And there's a whole lot of implications there because I think it's provable that the IDF staged a lot of this stuff after the fact. And that's not my opinion, guys. This has been proven about the things that they have lied about. Pretending the bodies they killed were actually killed by Hamas or that they bodies that they shot and burned were actually somebody else or the fact that they took a body out of a car and put it on the ground. You can still see the rigor mortis of the, seat, of the car seat and claiming that the person was raped. They did this stuff and there's no way around it. Maybe it's because they wanted to prove to you what they weren't able to prove, even though it's true. Or maybe it's because they were trying to cover up the Hannibal Directive. The bottom line is they did not have the evidence. And he goes off and just lists off all the same things we've already heard. The report will be submitted to the United Nations. Yeah, and inevitably when they say the same thing, which is we've already heard this, and it does not back up what you're saying, it's insinuation and conjecture, there's not actual proof. We can't do anything, and they're going to call them anti-Semitic. It's the same cycle. They've already done this. There's not new information. This is the recycling of the same stuff they've already repackaged four different times. And this is how it goes. Here is the U.S. Uh, State Department, Matt Miller, telling you, of course, as she writes, when U.S. officials, US officials when Israel uses sexual violence, they claim, well, we can't confirm reports. They must be treated humanely. We urge them to investigate. But if U.S. officials hear, but when Hamas uses sexual violence or allegations, we have no reason to doubt the reports. We look at the atrocities they commit against civilians, and we know. It's, a, it's just a game that gets played where anything Israel does, we don't know for sure. We'll investigate, but we never really do. Anything Hamas says is taken at face value, and we'll investigate, but we never really will. Right? It's the same thing. Allegations, I cannot independently confirm the reports. I will say that we have been clear that civilians and detained individuals must be treated humanely and in accordance with international humanitarian law. We strongly urge Israel to thoroughly and transparently investigate credible allegations and ensure uh, any accountability for abuses and violations. Uh, and, and that will continue to be our, our position. We've obviously seen the reports that Hamas has committed sexual violence. They've committed rape. Um, we have no reason at all to doubt those reports. Um, uh, when <laughs> what a ridiculous look at all the atrocities fool. that Hamas uh, carried out on October 7th and the atrocities that they have carried. Right. So, so because of the allegations of things we have yet to prove, we're going to go ahead and say this other allegation makes perfect sense. That's what he just said, because you realize this is the, they haven't proven a lot of the stuff they talked about. Most of it's been turned, have been proven to be misrepresentations, lies, or cover-ups of the Hannibal Directive. But the point is simple. One side we deny, one side we accept. And pending further investigation. And then none of it ever happens. Because usually it's all based on illusions. 
uh, out since. The fact that they continue to hold women hostages. The fact that they continue. All what about all the women in Israeli prisons? Oh, we don't care about those ones. Okay. To hold children hostages. The fact what about all the children in Israeli prisons? Oh, we don't care about those. The fact those. that it seems one of the reasons they don't want to turn women over that they've been holding hostage and the reason this pause fell apart is they don't want those women to be able to talk about what happened to them. And he was blown up for that. Even the IDF said that was wrong. I was irresponsible, which I don't think was real. I think it was just an opportunity they saw to make themselves look like they were fighting for the truth. Either way, nobody backed him up on that. He was made to look like an absolute fool because he was simping for the narrative. Well, well, I think it's because if they came back that we would know they would tell us what happened. Everybody called even I think Matt Lee in that very room was like, do you have evidence for that? And he said, no. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, you just basically floated an allegation of rape with nothing to back it up. I mean, that's because obviously there's something going on there. Now, we've already talked about this. I'll include this for you. This was the image on this this website that broke down all the atrocities from, from uh, October 7th. And here's the actual website. They used an image from 2022 claiming it was proof of rape on October 7th. And I've shown you this many times. Here's the actual image and the actual Wayback Machine linked to it showing you that it's from 2022, if not before, before that. I believe it's a Kurdish woman. It's a gross image. The point was, as I think Max Blumenthal broke, this was the chair of their investigative committee. Uh, Levy was her last name. And she literally presents that image in their report. And, and then even Max Blumenthal called her out for it. She didn't even deny it. And again, you can literally see the archive for yourself that shows you on the way back machine that this is in fact on Twitter in regard to Ukraine from 2022. And yet they just don't care. They just lie repeatedly about this stuff. And we'll look at it for yourself. And I'll include the articles we've talked about this. This is from 2023. Israel caught using that old image because they have used well. Haratz exposes atrocities where rapes committed on the 7th. Let's review the evidence. Robert broke it down as well on December. Did they use it? The point is there is no provable evidence. There's evidence that is suggestive. But remember, evidence doesn't mean that it's proven. It's just a data point that could be wrong. The point is we have not yet proven this. And if anybody cares about that, we should be talking, discussing that proof is what we need. Not insinuation, not allegations, even if it's about something serious, especially when it's something serious. And I'll include this as well, the great, a great breakdown of this from Propaganda and Company, and this one as well, the no evidence point. Now, let's go into this conversation. And this, this I, want, I really want people to break this down. Try to clip this out, make segments of this, whatever you want. I want the people to understand the crux of the point. One, it's crazy this hasn't been talked about the way it is right now before this, seeing as how many times it's been talked about in the circle, at least by us. But, but on top of that, that, this is a small example of a very big problem. That The Red Cross or somebody in the equivalent of that position in any other field who is responsible for something so important they know they're lying. They know they're they're doing something that is wildly dangerous and irresponsible. And I get, for, you can assume all day long why. Because they're compromised, because they don't care, but they're just not doing anything about it. This is about the fact that they've admitted, and I'll go through this in a, pretty much with the timeline, going in chronological time, how they've known this since 2022 at least, because I put it in their face and I keep pointing. I keep retweeting it. I keep calling it out. I've done this probably six times since I, since I realized this, that they stated that it doesn't, that it stays in your arm, that your blood, your, the COVID injection does not leave your shoulder muscle and not even the scientific community is still making that argument. And they're giving people injections that do in fact 
or potentially at the very least, can have spike proteins, mRNA, in it, provably based on the peer-reviewed science, which then provably can make you sick. We'll go through all of this. Now, the way when I first saw the, the, saw this, it was um, a couple people shared this. Oh, I, I was I'll show you the tweet. It was uh, Shelby from Unject, Unjected uh, was actually responding to this to show you that they were essentially kind of wrong. So good on her. But first of all, Igor just says basically I confirmed it. He donated his blood yesterday and was asked the very question about the vaccine. He says, "What is the danger that Red Cross sees in the COVID vaccines?" Now, it's this isn't really being interpreted correctly. Let me show you why. This is where it's coming from. DC Drano says the American Red Cross is now asking blood donors, which it's not now it's been the same thing since we covered it in 2022. My point about suddenly the partisan media gets a hold of something and all of a sudden it's a conversation. There's a reason that happens that way. But he's saying asking if blood donors, if they've ever had a COVID vaccine, which you remember has been the same since we've been covering this, but he goes, if you answer yes, they want you to call ahead to see if you're still eligible. But that's, it's not exactly the full picture because what the reality is, which Shelby shows you, is that it's not even a question. As long as you don't have in, in, symptoms, which is very interesting the way they frame it. They, they, they're directly calling it a vaccine fever. It's like very weird. But their point is they're saying if you still have symptoms after the vaccine, then you, then you can't. But if you don't, you're good. And she makes this point very clear. So you can have the injection that very moment, walk over to the blood, blood donor. If you don't have any symptoms, they're good. That's the reality. So I don't know if this was just a, you know, didn't really flesh it out to, or if there's an effort, an effort to mislead. I don't know. But he goes, I thought the vax was safe and effective because they see the point is that they're not taking it, which was the original point, the start of this conversation. I'll go through it again for you. Why are they hiding from it? So this is the point. So she says, and I, you, I, I didn't play it for you. It's really clear. She calls it. She asked the question. They say, you know, about, she goes, I just, sir, I have a, I got a vaccine, which she doesn't. And the point was that you, this says I'm supposed to call. So she calls and explains it very simply. You don't have symptoms, you can do it right away. And that was her point. That's why she tags them, going, the blood supply is still as tainted as ever. 100%. This is where we'll get to. Oh, actually, I'll come to my tweet in a second. My point is, you'll get, we'll see, we'll go over where I've been responding to them for a very long time. And their tweet from September 2022 saying that the COVID vaccine does not enter the bloodstream. We'll come back to it. But so the point here is 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 the kind of the discrepancy is the argument that they're saying that we suddenly now won't let you do it, which the implication is we're admitting quietly that it's dangerous. That's going to catch a lot of attention. That's not what's actually happening. In fact, that's what happened all the way back then when I was covering it. That's the important part. I'll show you what I mean. Now, this Jesse, this account, um, uh, Jesse Machi, points this out in regard to DC Drano's tweet. 40,000 likes, 20,000 reposts. He says, when do people pause and ask themselves, Wait, is this guy working against me? He says, why does DC, why does Drano repeatedly miss the mark? Which is kind of what's happening here. Yet he gets amplified as a hero. He says, he's at best a joke. Now, you can decide for yourself if you agree with that. But he's more likely subversive, intentionally misleading people. The point is, you can see, people are talking about this. Why do you let contaminated people to donate blood since it's clear the COVID vaccines go on the pro-? Like, it's, it's, bottom line, not to go in too deep on this post, is that the argument is, or the question is the person stating this in a way that's d- deliberately misleading you off the real point, or is it, does it, you know, I just, my point is simply that whether that's the case or not, 
There's a reason that you're here at this show or other independent media that are nonpartisan, that are objective, and that make sure that these things are accurate. And in fact, are some of the are some of those of us who have been breaking this story for a very long time because we do our best to make sure you get in the full picture, not a partisan picture, not a quick, you know, flash in the pan tweet that makes a lot of attention, which actually is not mis- is re- misrepresenting the point. Like, for instance, I saw I wasn't going to talk about it, but there's one that was sharing an allegation that, you know, the Trudeau government is now ordering hospitals to euthanize vaccine injured people, which is literally what the title, the subtitle said, but you read into it and it's, a, it's from like Z media or something like that. And it's reposted from something else and you read it, not even remotely what it's actually saying. Now, look, I'm the first one to tell you as we talked about all through the, the COVID conversation that they were, they, you know, giving deep, uh, do not resuscitate orders to people with dyslexia. I mean, it's horrifying. We talked about the, uh, remdesivir, midazolam. We talked about all of that. We've talked about right up into this moment, made and all of that euthanizing children. It's horrifying. And do I th- question for a second that they would try to get people on that program that are vaccinated? I've already talked about that. But can you then argue that because they've suggested it to somebody who is vaccine injured, which has happened a long time ago, that that means they're ordering them to euthanize them? Hardly. But you'll see an endless procession of people beneath that who've already taken it face value and have already shared it and done podcasts about it. It's not true. Not not the way they're framing it. But of course, I say that, then you get attacked for suggesting, what, you don't think they're dangerous? You don't think they're hurting people? Yes, I do. And I'm the, I was talking about it a long time ago. We have to be careful about the way this partisan media is working today. It's very, very surreptitious, very dangerous. And there was another one too about something else. I'm just blanked on it. But there's a lot of that stuff circulating. We just got to be careful. Now, this is where this started. Or, or I mean, this. so this is what it looks like right now. It's the current page. I believe, uh, yeah, this is the current page. And it says, COVID-19 vaccine blood donor eligibility. It says, the Red Cross is following the FDA blood donation eligibility guidance for those who have received a vaccination, COVID vaccination, and deferral times may vary depending on the type of vaccine you receive. If you've received in bold a COVID-19 vaccine, you'll need to provide the manufacturer name when you come to donate. Upon vaccination, you should receive a card printout indicating which vaccine was received. And we encourage you to bring that card to your next donation. Then it's in bold again. It says, in most cases, there is no deferral time for individuals who received the COVID vaccine. And right there, very different than what was being suggested in DC Drano's post, right? Basically, there's almost no barrier, which is my whole point. They're pretending like there's no problem. But the reason it's important is let me go back in the Wayback Machine and show you what started this conversation for me. So this one was, this goes back to February 2021 on the 1st of February. So again, this is before it changed. This is what it said before. You'll notice it's interesting that it changed, or rather it was a certain way. It changed during COVID. Then it kind of went back to the way it was before. Now it says, but this is right in the beginning, 2021. So the COVID vaccine came on the scene. This is what it adds for COVID-19 vaccine donor eligibility. Saying same thing, follows the eligibility guidance. And it says in bold, but there's no deferral time if you receive the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. So that was originally like, what? Like for those of us that were concerned, this is a experimental vaccine injection, excuse me, gene therapy. We're talking about an mRNA platform concept that's literally using, you know, mRNA instructions and gene therapy. And everyone's like, hold on a minute. You're telling me people are getting blood donations. So that was the first time this came up. And those of that followed this platform and those of us that talked about it, remember, there was a huge conversation, but it didn't reach the, the levels of partisan media. Not, not really. There was a little bit of it. Then May 1st, 2021. Here's where it gets interesting. So they added something else. There's one for the one that was already there. The eligibility 
blood donor eligibility. Then there was COVID vaccine and the convalescent plasma eligibility, both of which are donors. So the vaccine side of it, or rather, excuse me, the blood donor eligibility as opposed to convalescent donor, again, following guidance, says, quote, or excuse me, in bold, if you've received the COVID vaccine, you'll need to provide the manufacturer name, which is what it currently says today, without the second part down below, when you donate. But in most cases, there's no deferral time. Okay, so that's specifically about blood donor. So the whole time what's not changed is that you can give blood for people who need blood for surgery and whatever else, which is different than plasma in regard to the plasma donor aspect. And not and who it doesn't matter whether you've had 45 the boosters or whatever else as long as you don't have symptoms that's the current guidance you can give them right now now it varies based on certain kinds of vaccines if you got the if you're still crazy enough to take the J&J and whatever else even though i actually think that these mrna are much more dangerous in the long term or who knows possibly even in general but i think they're all wildly dangerous spike protein and, and so on the point is that in general mrna there's no block here but if you go down to plasma, May 1st, this is what first caught my attention. It says individuals who have received a COVID vaccine are not eligible, able to donate convalescent plasma with the Red Cross. Now, why would that be? This was the reason people were like, well, how does that make sense? So you can give an injection, get an injection, then give blood, no problem. But you can't give convalescent plasma. Now, the whole point was this is supposed to be what people give when they've got natural immunity. Right, So you give your plasma, and that can be helped and used for other people's treatment. So that could be one of a few things. One, they just didn't want that to happen. Natural immunity is fake news, right? Or they didn't want to actually help people. Or it was something more nefarious. But either way, that suggests that there's a problem there. And then that's where we have these points. The, the clip that I just played for you, right? Where the reality becomes that there was a report. Oops, wrong one. This one here. That there was a report put out by, I think it was NBC, that admitted what the truth was. And at the very least, it's what they wanted the, the narrative to be. But I don't think it's some kind of pretend narrative because it wasn't really focused on. Nobody talked about it, but it could be both. Consider for yourself. But here it is again, what they reported live on corporate media. On your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus, but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. Very simple. Now, it's exactly what actually happened, at least what we're being presented with. But what's interesting is they then tried to hide that fact. This is where I started talking about it. And I was screaming about this, going, look, guys, they're, they're lying to you about what they're actually doing. Then they literally changed what they had posted on there, right? But what's first of all, what's interesting is a lot of people at this time misrepresented this as saying, well, you're not allowed to give to give blood. And then it got confused. They got fact-checked and people said that was a lie, but it really wasn't because this they were wrong. They, misrep they misunderstood. And this is the problem about trying to come in even in that field and be like, hold on, I think you're misunderstanding. And they go, you're shilling for pharma. It's like, ah, it's so exhausting trying to just be accurate, you know? And even, I make plenty of mistakes. But the point is convalescent plasma. And she made clear, based on what you can actually read, and I'll show you the next clip, it was because it actually removed the antibodies from your blood, which doesn't really make sense unless you understand that we're dealing with some experimental gene therapy manipulation that was, in fact, hurting you. Now, maybe it was designed that way. Or maybe it was the fact that they were experimenting, and that's just what happened. But either way, I'll play the next one in a second. You go forward. 
Here's what now it's shifted to. This, this is June 30th. Because remember, this is what it's, this is today where you only have the blood donor. You don't have the convalescent plasma. Why, why not? Obviously, that's a huge topic. Weird, I just disappeared. Well, here's what it says on June 30th, 2021. Same thing up here. That never really changed. In most cases, no deferral time and so on. But down here it says, now the Red Cross has discontinued dedicated COVID-19 convalescent plasma. This is while when I showed you this during the shows. Let me see if I can actually pull it up. I, I knew I should have saved that. Yep, look at that. One more. I think there's two of them in there. Oh, that's the one I'll look at next. That's this one, I think. Let's grab it anyway. So here is my point, is that while they're doing this, while Red Cross is saying, hey, we discontinued the COVID-19 plasma donations on March 26th. Why? Well, due to declining hospital demand. Now, this is on March 26th. This is just the Wayback Machine version from, from June 30th. The point is, discontinued because of declining demand, right? Well, here's a post saying, blood assurance is in urgent need of convalescent plasma donations, which, by the way, was the narrative pretty much ever since. So they're lying, guys. There's no way around this. People need this. And they're not doing it. Now, why is that? And why is it different than blood donors? There's something very, very fishy there. And I think the main point, oh, this is different. Is accepting plasma for people vaccinated against COVID-19. Oh, so this is May 4th. This is before they changed it, right? So, oh, actually, so here's what's interesting. This, this might be a little bit of, of a timing interesting point here. So, again, to be clear, they're not accepting it as of today. It's not even listed, right? But you can see here on June 30th, they're saying they discontinued it. Okay, no, the timing is right. So this is May, and they're saying they were. So they kept flip-flopping. Is that strange? The ultimate point is they finally said we're not even doing it anymore we don't need it but they did and they just removed that part of the page so here is the fact check covid vaccines don't strip people of their antibodies despite the fact that that's literally what was reported even by a pfizer scientist key message from our finding is that we found that recipients of the Pfizer vaccine, those who've had two doses, have about five to six-fold lower amounts of neutralizing antibodies. Now, these are the sort of gold standard private security uh, antibodies of your immune system. Which, so Just in case you didn't misunderstood that, he's saying that if you got these, especially two of the Pfizer shots, you had four, I think he said fourfold, I'll play it again, lower antibodies. I mean... So now, so multiple examples across multiple platforms, scientists, media, and even the Red Cross, and yet we're going to act like because they just tell you something different today that this wasn't the truth. It's obvious, and there's the peer-reviewed science backs it up all the way to this day. How many times have we shown you the lymphocytopenia, right? The the negative efficacy, which is not the vaccine or the injection. That's your body's immune system failing. That's what we're talking about here. Vaccine. Those who've had two doses have about five to six-fold lower amounts of neutralizing antibodies. Now, these are the sort of gold standard private security. So you're telling me if you got to, you had lower than not? But go ahead and take them. Take five of them. It might work out for you. Uh, antibodies. Please don't. I'm absolutely kidding. ...of your immune system, which block the virus from getting into your cells in the first place. And so we found that that's less for people with two doses. We've also found that for people with only one dose of the Pfizer jab, that they are less likely to have high levels of these antibodies in their blood. How do you possibly make sense of that? You're telling us that these shots are making you have less antibodies. 
And we're not, so that by def, I mean, how, that's exactly the point. It is removing anti, I mean, you could look at it one of two ways. It's removing what you had, or it's just, in fact, hurting your possibility of even making what you might need. I mean, I don't know how you make sense of that without realizing that we're being lied to. And, I've, and all of this will be included. You can look through all this for yourself. And on top of that, I want to make sure we, the, the, the idea that this is, that there are response, like the, basically that because of these injections, that your body is reject, is, is I, being hurt in a thousand different ways, obviously. But I think specifically because of the immune system and the way that your body's reacting to this, we saw things like this. New study finds organ recipients were rejecting their transplants because of the COVID vaccine. Now, that's, I mean, that's a perfect kind of overlap to the idea of the blood transfusions. There's a problem there, right? So you include this in the blood, and that's why these children were dying after they got it. That's why these organs won't take. There's an obvious example here, or this one. Characteristics and clinical ocular manifestations in patients with acute corneal graft rejection. Same point. You're getting a corneal graft, and it rejects it because argument in the study is after you've received the vaccine. I, there's just an endless string of this research that shows you exactly the point. So again, just, just reframe it. The point was convalescent plasma was very clearly stated as you're not able to do it because you've had the vaccine. Then they switched over to, we don't even need it anymore, even though provably they did. And now the point is in general, they just don't even talk about the convalescent plasma in regard to COVID vaccine, but their stated reality is still, you can give it blood after you've had the injection as long as you, there's basically no deferral time at all. As long as you don't have symptoms showing, as, as Shelby discussed in her, with the person on the phone, then you're all good. That's the reality. Now let's go over some of this evidence. The unbelievable amount of evidence that provably shows you that this does, in fact, continue to circulate your blood. Actually, so I guess we should probably start with the, well, I'll just read this to you again. I wanted to go chronologically, important. So on September 13th, 2022, in response, to what somebody posted. So this is the original tweet. They said, George was the only survivor of a bad car accident as a teenager. His doctor said it wouldn't have been possible without blood donors. Since then, George has been given back, given 18 balance of blood so far. So Longclaw here says, is COVID vaccinated blood labeled as such? What if you need blood and you don't want vaccinated blood? And they responded. They said, we don't label blood products as containing vaccinated or unvaccinated blood because the COVID vaccine does not enter the bloodstream. Patentedly false, provably false. And as they say, poses no safety risks to the recipient. That's also provably false. You have, you, if you have safety concerns about potential blood transfusions, please speak with your medical care team, who, by the way, will force you to take the blood bank, which has happened over and over. And then, thank you, Jurassic Carl, who's actually one of the first people that caught my attention on this. So that being the case, let me show you why they're lying. Going all the way back to 2021, directly from their own documentation. So here is a Pfizer document in regard to the actual distribution of where the lipid nanoparticles go. Here's what it says. I said it kind of highlighted here from the other show I discussed. It says, using in vivo bioluminescence after injection of luciferian substrate. So that's the, you know, bioluminescence. Uh, bioluminescence they put inside these things to track where it goes in the body. And it says luciferase protein expression was detected at different time points. So the point is, wherever you see that is where the injection went, which means that means that the mRNA, the possibly spike protein after that, the lipid nanoparticles that contain the mRNA, that's what, that means this goes into the places you see this. And it says, was detected at different time points at the site of injection and, to a lesser extent, and more transiently, in the liver. 
the right there, as early as their opening documentation showed you that it did not stay in your arm. How is it in your liver if it stays in your arm? It's And it says distribution by the liver is likely mediated by lipid nanoparticles entering the bloodstream. My God. So you're going to tell me that the Red Cross, the CDC, the FDA, and literally everybody just didn't read that? No, guys, they're lying to you. It's that simple, and it's that scary. They knew they lied, and I, we need to truly come to terms with that. Here's a, a more in-depth document. We have, we've talked about this probably 15 times. This is about the distribution of the lipid nanoparticles. So the point is very simple. The lipid nanoparticles are delivering the instructions for, with the, MR, the mRNA instructions, which then, again, so we're told anyway, and that's what I think is the, what they claim is how this platform works, but that, and that produces, it delivers the instructions, which then train your body to produce a dangerous spike protein, which in many cases your body then attacks. Self-attack autoimmune response, like an antibody-dependent enhancement or molecular, molecular mimicry, pathogenic priming. All the stuff we've talked about long before, people like uh, James Lyons-Weiler, PhD, was screaming at the top of his lungs, listen, this is going to hurt people. Nobody cared. As well as the polyethylene glycol, who most of the population are allergic to, that's in that ejection, but nobody cares about all the backs. But if it's clear the lipid nanoparticles with the instructions which make spike protein are in your liver because it goes through your bloodstream, I think it's pretty obvious that that's not in your shoulder muscle. But the point is it goes to a hell of a lot more than your shoulder, your, your liver. The cut to the chase, remember all these locations, every one of them after 48 hours, shows some level of concentration of lipid nanoparticles. The injection site is obviously high, 165, right? But look, this one's 24, that's the liver. But you go down here, there's a lot more. Ovaries, reproductive issues, the 12, that's 12, 48 hours. There was also 23 in the spleen. The point is, in every one of these areas in your body, every single one of them, there is some level of lipid nanoparticle. But let's pretend it goes in your shoulder and stays there. I mean, that's how insulting this should have been. Where was everybody? Where were all the doctors and experts? Well, some of them were courageous enough to speak up. Most of them didn't. Think about that. Here is one of the earliest. Again, this is chronological. 2021. This is 2021 May. Circulating severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, vaccine antigen detected in the plasma of mRNA vaccine recipients. They're literally telling you 11 out of 13 of the samples collected from 13 participants, 11 of 13 showed detectable levels of SARS-CoV-2 protein, protein, as early as one day after the injection. So think about this. That means that you got injected with this. And within 24 hours, they had already delivered the mRNA instructions outside of your shoulder muscle and made spike protein to the point to where it was actually circulating through your blood. In 24 hours. And we're going to pretend it doesn't go anywhere but your shoulder muscle. Okay, let's go forward still. 2022, March. And there's probably more in between this that I just can't see. Immune imprinting. Breath of variant recognition and ger uh, germinal center response in human SARS-CoV-2 infection and vaccination. Just one quick point at the bottom. Casually included spi vaccine spike antigen and mRNA persist for weeks in the lymph nodes. And, you know, I've I play the Pilevsky clips, right? The how this works and how that ends up in your blood-brain barrier into the brain. I mean, it's so very apparent why this is hurting people. And they've lied to you from the beginning. 2022, June, 
Vaccine mRNA can be detected in the blood in at 15 days post-vaccination. Now, again, this was the first one that caught my attention. Now, I believe I've done a show about this before this one. I just couldn't find it. But I believe I talked about it around this time. And that's a shout out to uh, Jurassic Carl, who posted this. And likely longer, right? Posting this exact study, right? With the link, which is what's important, right? That, thank you, Carl. You're the reason that I started talking about this. So the point is, I talked about it before this. Now, on September 24th, I decided to talk about it again. Vaxxed Red Cross blood donations. And this is where I, and well, technically, I kind of said it backwards, that this was the, the article he's talking about. I did this because of Jurassic Carl, and then I talked about this very study and called and talked to the Red Cross. Now, let's listen to that. Now, I just want this to be clear about why this is so frustrating for somebody like me who can do this, the legwork, and actually speak to them, get them on the record, admitting the kind of stuff that should be huge, which, by the way, right now shows you the conversation's a little bit off base, but no one, only the partisan back and forth is getting pointed to, right? This was already documented on the record more than once since 2022 by T-Lab and plenty of others who have shared this work. Well, let's listen to it. So we're talking about the fact of this tweet and how they're lying about that using the studies we've talked about. Thank you for calling your American Red Cross. Your call and blood donation are important to us. Your call may be monitored or recorded for the development of our agents. Thank you for calling the American Red Cross. My name is Elaine. How can I help you? Hi, Elaine. My name is Brian. I'm calling with T-Lab Media. I had a couple questions for you. Um, at first, if you have a media department for questions to the media, please uh, redirect me there if you could. I never do that anymore because they immediately go on guard these days. But I had some questions for you in regard to a recent document that was sent out in regard to the COVID vaccine and whether or not people can donate. Are you the right person to ask questions? All right. And you want to know if someone can donate uh, with getting the COVID vaccine? Yeah. Let me just, just to clarify. So I, I the Red Cross uh, sent out a document on a PDF um, entitled... COVID-19 Vaccine Blood Donation Guide for Donors. The document itself lists something I found interesting that we're, we're covering right now, which is it says, if you receive any type of COVID-19 vaccine, you are not eligible to donate convalescent plasma with the Red Cross. However, you may be eligible to donate other products with the Red Cross, including whole blood and platelets, if you meet other donation eligibility criteria. So I guess my question is, what's the concern for the Red Cross in regard to people with COVID-19 vaccines and why aren't they allowed to donate convalescent blood? All right, let me get you over to eligibility and they can explain that to you, okay? Okay, thank you. Ryan, thanks for holding. I have TMI on the line. She will be further assisting you. Thank you, appreciate it. You're welcome. TMI. Hi, how are you? Hi. Uh, I'm sorry. Was it was it Tia Maya? Tia Mara. Tia Mara. Excuse me. Hi. How are you? Um, I'm calling with T-Lab Media. Good. I have a couple quick questions for you regarding a PDF document that was put out by the Red Cross, um, and the, the document's entitled "COVID-19 Vaccine Blood Donation Guide for Donors," um, and this is specifically in mm -hmm. regard to eligibility. The question I have is: there's a document, a, a, a sentence listed under Step Two, review the required deferral periods, where it lists 
It says mm-hmm. if you receive any type of COVID-19 vaccine, you are not eligible to donate convalescent plasma with the Red Cross. My question is why is that a necessity or a stipulation for the Red Cross? And is it only convalescent plasma or is it in any sense with someone with the COVID-19 vaccine? Okay, um, so that pertains specifically to convalescent plasma. Um, we're not collecting convalescent plasma at this time. We ended the phase of um, convalescent plasma collection, but the reason being was the antibodies produced by the vaccine may not be strong enough to assist a patient battling an active COVID infection. That's huge right there, right? That, by the way, completely confirms what they're saying in the news report and what the scientists said right? They're not strong enough or you don't have enough or whatever it is. It's not actually workable. So that either means that these things aren't doing anything they say they are. So they couldn't even use the plasma because it wasn't helping anybody. Or I mean, there's a lot of ways you could look at it, but damn, that's a big deal. They they literally admitted as the red cross that we can't use it because it's not strong enough. And yet they forced us and everybody, even though it was hurting people and it wasn't having the effect, they knew this right in the beginning. Um, so this is why we were not accepting from donors who were vaccinated convalescent plasma. Now realize that is different entirely than whether or not it's safe in regard to the spike protein and mRNA. They're simply going, we didn't want the plasma anymore because it wasn't helping anybody. It wasn't, the antibodies weren't strong enough to be explicit, exactly what she said. So the idea that we're, that we're worried about whether that's going to hurt anybody, I don't, I, they, my point is today, they know because we've been screaming and putting it in their face on tweets and everywhere else, and they must have seen the science, even in the corporate media. But they just haven't changed it. But I wonder whether then they knew or not. I think they did. Okay, well, then in, in regard to somebody who has recovered, with, you know, recovered from, from a natural occurrence with, with COVID-19, is that something still being accepted from the Red Cross? Well, if if we were collecting at the time, yes, we were accepting donors that were covered from COVID-19. Okay, so you hear why that's dumb, ridiculous, because you just said you stopped it because it wasn't working. Well, you just admitted that you were from people that didn't have the vaccine, and that very clearly would work. It's not something unique to COVID-19, whatever that actually was. It's specifically about how the injection is, is we already showed it to you, We look right from the scientist. So that tells me something very, that either means that they shut it down knowing that they were stopping something that could help people or because, it, you know, again, I could go off on like 14 different examples, but that's the important one. That hypothetically, should this be something positive, they just stopped it because they didn't want to admit natural immunity or didn't want to help anybody in the first place? Well, no, I mean, currently. Currently, is that, is that something that's still being accepted? All right, so I'll ask again, just to catch you up, are you currently now accepting people who have recovered from the illness? Why wouldn't you is the point if it's only about the vaccine side effects? No, we're, we're no longer testing for COVID-19 antibodies or collecting convalescent plasma at this time. So convalescent plasma will be considered somebody who recovered after the injection or somebody who recovered after just having the occurrence of COVID-19, correct? We, yes, we collected convalescent plasma from donors who recovered from COVID-19. Okay, so so that, that so thank you for clarifying that. So this is what this is what I was interested in and came up confused really about is it only says that you're mm-hmm. not accepting you, if you if receive any type of the vaccine that you're not eligible to donate. So my question is, are you still accepting currently convalescent plasma from people who have only recovered but not had an injection? 
No, we're, we're no longer collecting convalescent plasma. It just doesn't make sense, especially as people need it, especially if your argument is we only stopped it because the vaccine was causing a problem, right? There's a huge gaping problem there. And she, I mean, a, a child could see that it doesn't add up. She does too. Okay. I mean, that ended in June. Got it. Got it. Yes, in so, general. So I- it ended in general because, as you just said, it was because it wasn't helping people, but that's only the vaccine version. Pretty simple. Then I guess that's why. Why would it need to be listed that you are only if you if you receive an injection that you can't donate? Right. Like, wouldn't you just list it as we're no longer taking convalescent plasma, as opposed to saying specifically the injection we won't take, where it's not listed in regard to the natural uh, occurrence with it? Uh, that's what I guess I was confused by. Which now you're clarifying, but is, is there a reason that was left off? I'm not sure when or uh, why this P. PDF, this document was sent out, so I'm not even aware of it. Anything pertaining to convalescent plasma has been completely removed from our website. No, it's actually not true. When I was showing this, it wasn't. So I'm not sure, because okay. um, I, I have had some inquiries, but but that's something I'm going to take note of and forward to my supervisor, because I have had a couple um, inquiries about that, so... Okay, well, I, I, maybe you. you can clarify for me in general. The, the document's entitled COVID-19 Vaccine Blood Donation Guide for Donors. Do you know when that was released? No. I don't. We don't typically release any documents um, as far as our eligibility criteria. We don't do that. So um, just, just for that's something I would have to, yeah. It, well, just for clarification, mm-hmm. it's 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 listed on the redcrossblood.org website. It is? It's on our website? Yeah. Well, I have the the URL right here, www.redcrossblood.org, and it's under Red Cross Blood Docs COVID-19 New Donor Vaccine Guide. Okay. Let me go to the website now. If I could, I'd send you Last time I checked, that was removed. Anything... So we have, right now, the only thing I see here under the Donate Blood tab is COVID-19 safety protocol. So all oh, the information we had was listed on the front page of the website, but I ha- the URL is still active. And I can see that it's on redcrossblood.org. So maybe maybe that should be, you know, clarified for people, because this, this can be confusing for people right now, which is why we're asking. Mm-hmm. Yes, I completely understand. Yes, um, I'm definitely, like I said, going to forward this to my um, manager so we can get some clarification as to why the document was sent out um, to donors or why is it on our website, which I'm going to keep looking and see if I can find it. Okay. Um, I I literally just gave her the URL. I would love to speak with her if she's available. Well, they're not available at the moment. I'm sorry, but I can take your name and your number down. And yeah. So the point is clearly that, you know, and by the way, just, you know, that I, it was obviously I cut out the parts where you're waiting and so on. This was the person I waited to talk to. So this is not just some first rung person on the phone. Right. So that's the important part. She knows what she's talking about. And this is the document I'm ta- I was showing, which is really crazy to me. This was this was the current document. This was out when we like this was you can see this is on the way back machine from 2021. But this was the current document that was discussed for, you know, until they ultimately pulled this stuff back and changed it. But so it's amazing to me that she wish wouldn't know about that. Frankly, I don't even know if I believe that. But either way, it's all very clear. And so it's interesting is her, her what she said. Remember, as you're looking at this, it says individuals who have received the COVID vaccine are not eligible. 
Nowhere in there does it say, but we're accepting this. Like, why would you need to differentiate between old COVID vaccine versus like, my point was simple. You could just say, we're no longer accepting convalescent plasma in regard to COVID-19, period. But they specifically say, if you've received a vaccine, you can't do it. And now she acts like we just stopped because we didn't need it anymore, even though you can prove that they very clearly did. Yeah, I'm not buying it. There's something wrong there. And again, this was an important conversation. 2021. Now, going forward, 2022, actually, hold on. Make sure I didn't miss those. Oh, so these are 2022. This was 2022. So this is going from 2022 into 2023, January 4th. Circulating spike protein detected in post-COVID-19 mRNA vaccine myocarditis. So we're talking about all the way to the point to where you've get, you developed and are suffering from myocarditis and they're able to find circulating spike protein. That is a long way. I actually forgot to go through and highlight the exact time frame. The point in all of these, which I'll show you, when you please make sure you read these. You know I've covered each one of these in depth on past shows. Is that these go, the, the studies will do something like, you know, up to 180 days and they basically give you that number. But the study, does, it only ends there. They didn't prove that it stops there. That's just the breadth of the study. And the point is, in every one of these, it shows that it likely goes way further than that. In, in, if not entirely self-replicating concepts, right? Not self-assembling, self-replicating, which, by the way, was what the Pfizer injection was listed as originally. I showed you this as well. Self-replicating is part of what, and look, that's what's happening with these. It's continually synthesizing. Actually, I'll grab that too. Oh, you know, I don't, the point is, I, I feel like I forget the title. The one that discusses the continually, what is the word they use? That the spike protein continues to be synthesized. It continues to be made. That is what we're talking about. So I think that's what this ultimately is. But here we are with another example, right? And so here's the, oh, and this was the one from June, 2023. Also different. SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, mRNA vaccine sequences, sequences, mRNA sequences. So it hasn't even produced the spike protein. Circulate in blood up to 28 days, up to 28 days. But again, if you read it, that's essentially where this kind of ebbs off. So a month at the very least. So now we're talking about a month time frame where if you don't have symptoms, you're able to donate blood with mRNA instructions within it that could produce spike proteins in people that take it. I mean, this is not something to be dismissed because it's already been shown to have happened. And here is where I step in again. And I say yet another peer-reviewed study. Speaking back to Jurassic Carl, that shows that you are wrong. So here's the part that really bothers me. On September, or excuse me, on January 22nd, 2023, all that time after when they posted this, September 13, 2022, and I simply go, look, you're wrong. How is it that we can know this and yet you are still standing by that statement? You are putting people in danger. You are, you are accountable for this action or lack thereof. Not even, it's not even a response. And guys, I have tweeted and retweeted this so many times. They know it. So that's when I did another show, Red Cross Cod. February 17th, 2023, and I did this repost to say, Red Cross, why are you still maintaining the public stance that mRNA vaccines do not enter the blood despite numerous peer-reviewed studies? Posted a long time ago. That was February 17th, 2023. See my point? This has been pushed and pushed and pushed, and it doesn't break through until partisan media makes a misrepresented statement about it, probably by design. But that's important. Legal accountability. I said, isn't it that very dangerous and wildly irresponsible? Nothing. Let's go forward. Past that. August 31st, 2023. Detection of recombinant spike protein in the blood of individuals vaccinated against SARS-CoV-2. Possible molecular mechanisms. These are all separate 
independent peer-reviewed studies finding the same thing. And Blood Red Cross is still arguing the opposite. September 27th, 2023. Duration of SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccine persistence and factors associated with cardiac involvement in recently vaccinated patients. And it gets into the overall duration of how long it stays in your body. And ultimately, it's talking about people within 30 days. The point is the same general point. It does remain in your body. Actually, I, you know, I think I will grab that study for that very purpose. Um, it wasn't age stratified, was it? Let me see. No, that's the long-term one. Dang, I forget what the name of that study is. Oh, well. Point was that Dr. Peter McCullough study in regard to, oh, wait. There it is. Nice. I don't know how I end up keeping all this stuff in my head, but here, here is the Wayback Machine version. That's good, actually. They're, they're, even the current version, it's not, I should actually grab that anyway, because it's not like it's a retracted or anything. It's still standing, current, June 2022. Innate immune suppression by SARS-CoV-2. And the point is they list off some important points. mRNA vaccine promotes sustained synthesis. That's self-replicating. That's what that is, spike protein. It continues to make it. So why would that, if the point is if you're, if you create this situation where your body is trained to make them and it keeps making them, that's the, that's what it's saying. Not that there's just endless mRNA, but that you're being trained to make MR, to fight protein and then it's a sustained synthesis. So it keeps making them. Why would it stop after 30 days? I mean, I guess it's possible, but the point is it's been shown to go over, and I'll show you some of these last ones, as far as 180 further. So this is, the, and it keeps evolving. The point is, this is a problem for the rest of your life, it seems. And they know that and no one's talking about it. Spike proteins, neurotoxic, hey, just like fluoride. But it also says a DNA repair mechanism impairs DNA repair mechanisms. Vaccines potentially cause increased risk to infectious diseases. I mean, you get more, you're, you're more susceptible to illness. Codon optimization results in G-rich mRNA that has unpredictable complex effects. Yeah, we see all this already. My point was, after this September 23rd one, I follow up again. And I say, and this is underneath the one, this is underneath their tweet again. And I say, and we now have another red one, Red Cross. Do you have the courage to finally admit you are wrong? Or are you going to continue hurting people when the evidence is slapping you in the face? How can you be willfully ignorant to the peer-reviewed science? And here's just what it says I was showing you. These results suggest the vaccines routinely persist up to 30 days from the vaccination and it can be detected in the heart. All these things they want to run from. And they're actually, I, I, by the way, I think I posted the wrong link here. It's like a dead link now. This is the actual link to the study right beneath it, just in case you guys see that. Okay, so before we go past that, I want to make two points. It's very, it, not just that Red Cross is denying it and running from it and hiding and lying about it. Where's the community notes? People have tagged them. This is 2023. Reckless says community notes. This is very dangerous post by Red Cross. No one cares. Hey, he even tagged Elon Musk. Where's he? No one cares. Isn't it funny how selectively this process works? People, I guarantee people have tried to post something. It's not there. I did the same thing back in June 13th, 2023. So Vigilant Fox posted this saying, and this is what's interesting. It says your unvaccinated blood may be far more valuable than you think, which I agree with. And it says, blood banks do not sort blood based on COVID vaccination status. There's no difference between them. 
really still pushing that line. So community notes will happily come out on the other side of the argument. But when you can quite literally prove specifically that that statement is false, they don't care. So it's not just Israel, guys. These, this, this is not what you think it is. Because a lot of the people that are supporting free speech, Elon, are the very people that made the, you know, cut their teeth, as it were, on this conversation around COVID-19. COVID-19, and I tagged them too. Community notes. I guess you just missed all that inconvenient peer-reviewed science saying otherwise in your extensive fact check. Why am I not surprised? Nothing. And as Lee points out, community notes is nothing but more than wrong think. Exactly. So to finish in general, just make sure you understand that the spike protein that's being produced by these things that ends up in the, whether it's the mRNA or the lipid nanoparticles holding the mRNA or the spike protein itself in that blood you're giving to children. Realize how dangerous it truly is for every reason, not just the spike, not just the mRNA, not just the lipid, all of it individually and together, exponentially dangerous. Free spike protein in the blood appear to play a role in myocarditis post-COVID vaccine. Shocking. Who would have thought? Seeing as how one of the peer-reviewed studies said it found it directly in the heart. The point is, the fact that it's circulating your blood and that it causes myocarditis. Yeah, big surprise. You were hearing us yell about this in 2021. And of course, they came out and said, no evidence spike proteins are toxic. Yeah, that didn't age well because it's provably the case at this point. The only thing that they, their saving grace was trying to pretend like the spike protein from the injection was different than the one in the, in the, in whatever was circulating, which by the way, completely undermined their whole point that it would, that, that's my point that if you're giving them something different, that's why it's not working. <laughs> Either way, they were shooting themselves in the foot because everything was a lie. The bottom line was they are toxic. What you were giving people was deadly. They knew that. And it was the same as whatever, I, I think it was same as whatever they manufactured. We call that COVID-19. Here's the Salk Institute, as I've shown you many times. And here's the actual study itself. I just like to show the article because it's very simple. And Salk Institute's pretty broadly respected. But this was the one showing you exactly what they're discussing. But the point was simply this study and what they did proved that the spike protein alone was enough to cause disease. Now, that's a really important, impactful finding. That means that the spike protein by itself, however it finds its way into your body, through injection, through shedding, which is a huge part of this, which I'm going to do another focus on very soon, it causes you to get sick, or it can, which then causes symptoms. That's the cause disease part, which means you can then spread that. But it's just the protein from something else. So what are you actually spreading? I don't know if that's your first example of a real-world self-spreading vaccine. I don't know if that's a virus-sized transistor, that's nanotech. I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. It's sure as hell not what they told you it was. And that's dangerous as hell. And the point is that that is toxic, and it is ending up in people's blood, whether it's through the injection or something else. Now, they recently came out with a study, which is, by the way, it is such they're trying desperately to kind of like plug this hole in the dam. New study shows a slight increase in heart and brain disorders after COVID vaccines. Oh, is it a slight increase? You know, let's ignore the 45 other peer-reviewed studies that found catastrophic problems because you come up with this new quick flash in the pan study that says, you know, well, actually, as I understand that it's a huge study, probably one of the most comprehensive, but the point is, which by the way, should matter. Consider the fact that maybe just this one that's been done bigger is just happens to be right. I flatly, I mean, I plan on going through this as I plan on a lot of things that don't happen, but it's just ridiculous to think that all of the body of the evidence has been, it very clearly shows serious risk is all dismissed because the new study, which we know they can manipulate, which everybody acknowledges can be wrong just by the simply, as I think Asim Maholcha points out, and a lot of people that are honest about this, 
at any given moment, somewhere around half the studies out there are wrong. Some of them are just mistaken. Some of them are trying to lie for a certain reason. Some of them don't. It's, and so yet we just love to play the game where the newest thing, the point is that's wrong. And it just, and I think this is about trying to kind of patch that and, and hope we don't get any more momentum on this conversation. But this is from January 14th, 2024. Autopsy findings in cases of fatal COVID vaccine induced myocarditis. So just to be clear, they're not saying hypothetical. We're talking about provable fatal cases of myocarditis because it's induced by the injection. And we're over here going, eh, slight increase to small things that are no big deal. Seriously? Here's what it says. We established that all 28 deaths, remember this is this year, last month, all 28 deaths were most likely caused causally linked to the COVID vaccine by independent review of the clinical information. And it says the same thing Dr. Peter McColl has been discussing. Application of the Bradford, Bradford Hill criteria to the overall epidemiology of the vaccine myocarditis suggests that there is a high likelihood of causal link between the injection and the death from myocarditis. Here's one from August 25th, 2022, but it's just to show you the ubiquitous nature of this. Persistent or uh, varicella zoster virus, so herpes, you know, generally, infection following mRNA COVID vaccination was associated with the presence of encoded spike protein in the lesion itself. And we're going to pretend like that's not connected. You literally have this weird lesion that you can find embedded spike proteins in it, and it's not because of the thing that you put in your body to create spike proteins. I mean, that is a special kind of stupid to not acknowledge how clear that is. And it's dangerous. It's causing these kind of side effects and far, far worse. And just to lastly, think about the, the, the larger issue here. We've talked about self-spreading vaccines. We've talked about self-amplifying mRNA vaccines. The risk in my worry here is the same point, right? That we're talking about this blood, but we've, we've talked about the shedding and so on, which actually I, I did have this up, but I, I forgot that. Let me see if I put that away. I'm going to ultimately have, I, I, I'm going to be doing, a, I really, for sure, I'm going to do a focus on, on shedding. It's a really important conversation. Here it is. I moved this over because I was thinking to myself that I wasn't going to do it today, but I just want to include this. One, because Pierre Corey's been doing really great work on this topic in particular, but just to, as a kind of a talking point that I'm going to come back to, which actually, let me see if I can grab this too. Reed v. Warren. Come on, really? That's, I, 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 this, this is on my older account that was censored. Let's see if this gets it. Probably not. No, that's too bad. Well, so my account had... I posted about Luigi Warren. Let me see if this pops up here. Oh, by the way, no, it's not popping up. Let's see what that was actually. Oh, that's the other guy. Well, anyway, the point was that he is the he's the one of the creators of of the concept in general, and he made it clear the spike protein can definitely shed. But he pointed out that it was unlikely to cause disease because it was such a small amount. But that changed when you realized that it was a sustained synthesis, that it kept making them. And that point then became that, yes, obviously, this is shedding. And Pierre Corey has been proving this. As, as I believe I have as well a long time ago in this conversation, that it was obviously part of this. And that's where I get into the self-spreading concept, right? And that's where the Salk Institute discusses the idea that, yes, it can spread and cause disease. So the shedding part of this is alarming to me because I think that is an experiment. I think that's part of what was trying to be done. 
And then this overlaps with the idea of, you know, the dawn of self-amplifying. Well, what are we talking about? Is the dawn of this when really that was the first example before the one they're currently using? I talked about that in the beginning. That's now weirdly being presented as the next step. I think it's already happening. But either way, the point is this is happening now. This is February 16th. Japan has apparently released this new thing. It's alarming. It really is. Like the way this is going, knowing what we're dealing with, it seems almost as if this is just try they, to make this ubiquitous to where you can't come back from it. It's in the blood, it's in the donors, everything, and they're all denying the reality. Again, I can't help but feel an overlap to the nanotechnology side of this. I know that that's a worry for me, which I'm sure you can tell. We shouldn't blindly think it, but just be concerned about, because I, I keep seeing these overlaps to the effort to make this constant and ubiquitous. Let's also not forget the discussion here. Did the U.S. government work on a myocarditis-inducing virus? I knew I was going to grab this. here i just i was gonna i'll just use that one but then i always go back to this one first this is the first one so you can have it too the u.s did for sure fund research on quote coronavirus induced myocarditis that's ralph barrick sitting there university of of north carolina chapel hill one of the central players in the whole covid19 illusion and the point is that they very clearly did work on trying to create coronavirus induced myocarditis through rabbits I mean, I, I still, every time I say that, I'm like, that is just ridiculous. We're literally watching this coronavirus-inducing myocarditis everywhere, and we're, you don't think that that's part of it. Like, this is an experiment. And again, did the U.S. government work on that? Yes. And then work to aerosolize it? Also, yes. In the, chi- in the caves of China, they tried to make this a self-spreading vaccine. All in there for you to look at. On top of that, guess what? 2023, May 2020, uh, 2023, May, they already talked about this. New aerosolized mRNA delivering nanoparticles. The point they make in the article, it's a peer-reviewed study. They can use it to deliver the vaccine or they can use it to, to, to remove cells. Or basically the point is, it's a dual-purpose concept. You can vaccinate or you can eliminate. And they make that point in the article. <laughs> this is talking about the same thing we're discussing. A gene therapy, mRNA, protein. This is alarming stuff. And it's current. Already happening. This has already been done. MIT. I just worry about if all of this is leading in the direction of trying to figure out how to make this work in a certain way. Then lastly, just so you don't forget, just want to remind everybody, peer-reviewed science has already found that at a global level, pre-vaccination, the infection fatality rate may have been as low as 0.03 under 59 years old and 0.07 under 69. Remember, point that, that's dramatically lower than the flu. What, like 0.2 is what the flu generally is. 0.1, 0.2. Age stratified. Infection fatality rate, peer-reviewed, iodized group, leading people in the field, telling you less than the flu before we ever started this game. And on top of that, 94% of the population is in that age group. So 94% of the population were never at risk that more than the flu, if it's even actually what's happening. And yet we all went through this and we're still being dragged into this. It's just never been more clear. And again, to back to the point of the conversation that started it, they're trying to pretend Like, it's okay that you're giving people blood that probably, almost certainly at this point, has been tainted by these problems. And then, when this becomes something that's starting to bubble back up again, you get people that are almost deflecting in a way that makes you think something else. This is how partisan players work, guys. Either way, the information is there. Realize that you're being lied to, and the Red Cross is, I mean, 
at the, probably one of the biggest examples of willful ignorance of what's going on around this. They are knowingly allowing this to continue, which either means in my mind at some level that they're like, think about the average level. Like, who's the one running the Twitter account? They must see that. They must go, hold on a second. That's wild. That's right. And we're still saying this. So it's like they must have some problem right now within the ranks unless literally everybody is choosing to ignore this. But it makes me wonder, is there at whatever level, is it willful ignorance because there's an agenda taking place? Or are you just that afraid of being the one that exposes the, says the wrong political thing? Are we just that far gone? I don't think so. I think we're watching things change for the positive right now, but it's causing a lot of things to look, it's causing a lot of problems, right? There's a lot of danger right now, a lot of negative actions because your governments are floundering and scared of how you're knowing things that you shouldn't. That's my opinion anyway. But truly, thank you for continuing to be here, ask questions, right? Just have the courage to push back. It's what we need to be doing. I mean, it's what we always should have been doing. There's never been a time in history where we should have ever trusted our authority figures or, you know, blindly gone along because it's patriotic. Like that's, that's, you're being manipulated. If you think that, that you're not allowed to say X, Y, and Z because it helps China, then you're being manipulated. Even if it does help China, the point is one, you obviously have a right to say whatever you want. But on top of that, just because the truth works for Russia doesn't mean you shouldn't be acknowledging that that's obviously what your government's doing. Your government is not on your side. I don't think any of these governments are anybody's side, but their own. It's just time for Americans to fully take advantage of the momentum happening right now. Pull yourself out of the two-party illusion. Consider what people are saying on all sides of this, but pull yourself out of being locked into the the duopoly of it all, this ridiculous dichotomy. Pull yourself out of it and recognize that they're afraid of you because you see through it. What does that show you? I feel it, guys. I feel an opportunity to truly make something different happen. Help me do it. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.